Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Friday, May 12, 2017. Hard time keeping up lately. Tuning in, you're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. There is no shortage of crazy things being said out there, and we take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast with the most Popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complexes, those who we need to be listening to, whose books we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula apparently we need to be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, unfortunately, that's oftentimes how that plays out. And over again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine and teaching being fed to evangelical Christians is far, far from what God's Word says, like not even close. And uh, they're being basically fed a steady diet of verses out of context, manipulated and twisted to say things that they don't actually say, to make promises for God that God never actually promised, And is it any wonder that uh, people's faiths are being shipwrecked left and right around evangelicalism as a result of all of this nonsense being spewed uh, by the most popular folks out there? So um, what we do is politically incorrect. It does cause weeping and gnashing of teeth. We understand that. Don't ever listen to fighting faith with an open mind. Nope, don't want that. Always listen with an open Bible. I don't need the benefit of the doubt just need you to track with me in scripture to see if what i'm saying you know is true yeah you know in comparison to what they're saying all right so uh here we are at the end of the week and uh the um voting has now stopped we we have a clear winner for the 2017 worst easter sermon of the year and <laughs> Yeah, good, good number of votes this year, and uh, wow, and uh, I, I, I gotta admit, the one I thought should win won this year. So this is like the first time in several years that has happened. 
So uh, in just a few minutes, we will announce the uh, the top three, the top three of uh, this year's Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest winners, if you would. And uh, and so uh, that'll that'll lead off today. Then what we are going to do is we are going to uh, do a Jim Baker revelation in the news update. And um, I I don't even know how to describe what it is that we're going to hear Jim Baker say. Yeah, um, those of you in the United States who watch Fox News, you're familiar with the fact that Bill O'Reilly lost his job at Fox News, um, and it had everything to do with the fact that um, he was, well, he had a habitual pattern of sexually harassing uh, female uh, producers and employees of Fox News. And uh, and in fact, uh, Fox News had settled out of court, you know, several different cases as it pertained to um, Bill O'Reilly's, we'll just say sexual inappropriateness is a probably a good way of putting it. And um, his firing actually had nothing whatsoever to do with his politics. Um, and unfortunately, um, because he was an outspoken kind of conservative voice, although I would say he was a little bit more moderate uh, than really totally conservative, um, that, um, you know, it, it, it really, you know, his misbehavior really looked poor, you know, the, the liberals, you know, made hay with it is the best way to put it. So, um, so all of that is a little bit of groundwork. And, uh, I'm not joking when I say that Jim Baker in this installment of revelation in the news is going to um let's just say give some really strange support um for Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, I'm just going to kind of leave it at that that much at the moment. Then uh we are going to do a prophetic holy orders network information exchange syndicate update. We're going to listen to Alana Vosser. She is a self-proclaimed prophetess from Australia, member of the Elijah List, kind of an up-and-comer within the uh, uh, the Elijah List prophetic community. And I want you to listen to this so-called word of the Lord. I mean, when I read when I read the Old Testament prophets, you know, when God's word comes to them, they go and they say, "Thus saith the Lord." <laughs> This is not this is not the authority with which Lana Vazer is releasing this particular prophecy into uh, the earth. And then uh, somewhere in there, we're going to have to take a break. And then we're going to uh, listen to um, Lance Walnow, Lance Walnow, talking about how this is the month of in- Issachar, the the month of divine release, uh, revealing. I don't, yeah, I have no idea, but. And uh, and then to round out hour number one, we're going to be listening to uh, John and Lisa Bevere twist God's word and totally ignore what it says to justify and promote women preaching sermons in Christian churches. Of course, Lisa Bevere herself does this. And you'll note what's lacking is any kind of substantive discussion as it pertains to what the Bible says regarding uh, the role of women in Christ's church. It's not my church, it's Christ's church. And so God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ get to call the shots uh, in that regard. So, um, And then in hour number two, we're going to do something a wee bit different. Um, 
Steve Kozar of the Messed Up Church blog has been uh, doing some uh, say, roving reporting, if you would, and uh, has branched out and do, been doing some podcasting. However, he's no good when it comes to the post-production work aspect of it. I'm not any good at it either. It's it's uh, you know, I know how to do it. But what we decided to do is kind of mix things up a little bit. And uh, and so he has been uh, basically conducting interviews with some interesting people. And uh, we want to pass those interviews along f- to you. And so we're going to mix it up a little bit. Then this week, rather than ending with a good sermon, we're going to listen to Stephen Kozar interviewing Matthew Garnett of the uh, program that airs on Pirate Christian Radio in layman's terms. That's the name of the program, in layman's terms. And it'll give you an opportunity to hear Stephen Kozar and Matthew Garnett, both of who, both of which will be speaking at our uh, Pirate Christian Radio conference in, uh, in August of this year. Details are on the website. And, uh, you know, it, and you know, we still have spaces available, but you would definitely want to register sooner rather than later. So, uh, but this will give you an opp- uh, uh, you an opportunity to hear really the caliber of uh, of you know the type of thinkers, the you know, uh, Christian thinkers that we're going to have at this year's conference. Although neither of them are you know top marquee names, um, both of them are top marquee theologically and really astute. And so the idea then is is that uh, you'll be able to hear Stephen Kozar interviewing Matthew Garnett. The conversation is very fascinating and hopefully instructive for you. Uh, in uh, in more than one way, but you kind of get the idea. So that will be what we do for today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. I strongly recommend that you make yourself comfortable. We got a lot of ground we need to cover, and since we're going to begin by announcing the the three winners, if you would, uh, third, second, and first place in this year's 2017 Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest, let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor and privilege to announce that this year's 2017 Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest has now officially come to a close. We gutted it out. We screened hundreds of submissions from our audience to be considered in this year's contest, and we are confident that we picked only the best of the worst Easter sermons (laughs) for this year's contest. And so, all of that being said, you've heard them. There were seven in all. And with that, we're going to talk about who won the bronze medal for this year's 2017 Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest. The bronze medal winner is... Scott McKenna, Scott McKenna of Scotland and his Easter sermon titled Mystery of the Resurrection. It should have been named Misery of False Theology of the Resurrection, but Scott McKenna put in a lot of work to be considered for this year's running of the 2017 Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest, and he did a fine, terrible job. Now, the silver medalist silver medalist 
for this year's Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest. Real Talk Kim and her complete train wreck of a Easter sermon titled Moving Stones. Yeah, it brought us all to tears. Not of joy, but of agony. And now, without any further ado, the winner of the gold medal, the winner, the first prize, this year's 2017 Worst Easter Sermon Contest, Matthew Stevenson and his sermon, The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I cannot think of a worse Easter sermon to have won this year's Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest. So, there it is, folks. This year's Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest is done, and I do not need to, to torture myself again in this way for at least another year. And I'm very thankful for the break in between. <laughs> I will need about 12 months to recover from the spiritual and psychological damage that I experienced while exposing myself to such sermonage. All right. Hopefully, I'm praying that there will be no Code Orange revival this year. I'm I'm thinking that you know, they do that only every four years like the Olympics. So uh, we'll get a little bit of a break <laughs> in that regard. All right. Moving along. Yep, time for a Jim Baker show update. Doom and gloom coming soon. Listen to Third Eagle's tune. Doom and gloom. God is telling us the end is coming soon. Very soon. You'll see signs up in the sun and stars and moon. Very soon, rapture comes at night or noon. Doom and gloom, very soon. If you're ready, you will meet the bride and groom. All right, that's uh, William Tapley, Third Eagle of the Apocalypse, co-prophet of the end times, singing his oh, just amazing Casio rendition of Doom and Gloom coming soon. So we're heading over to the uh, studios of the Jim Baker Show and the program that they do from time to time looks like about once a week. The name of the program is Revelation in the News. And uh, we'll point out the obvious like we always do with each installment of this particular type of update here at Fighting for the Faith. And it'll be a few minutes, but you might want to be sitting down because you are going to hear Jim Baker defend Bill O'Reilly in probably one of the most indefensible things I have ever heard said in a long well in a long time ever. Well, yeah, it's kind of up there, but uh, we'll, let's let's listen in. Here we go. To Revelation in the news. This is probably one of the biggest news days in history. Things are breaking all over the place. But, Mondo, you have what I think is probably the most important news story to the church world. Absolutely, Pastor. Sean Hannity this week talked about conservatives being targeted to be shut down from every angle possible. This affects the church today. John, what do you think about O'Reilly being fired? You know, I think that's the beginning of them going down and picking different targets that, that speak out that they want to try and silence. He's probably... 
um, yeah, they've already replaced O'Reilly with a very conservative fellow. Um, O'Reilly lost his job not because of his conservative politics. I'm a conservative, and I, I never really liked O'Reilly. I didn't think he was very conservative at all. I thought he was somewhat moderate. Um, but all of that being said, the reason why O'Reilly lost his job is because of a habitual and continued pattern of sexual harassment of the women at Fox News, and some of whom left and, you know, and they they settled out of court for unnamed sums of money because of his inappropriate sexual advances and comments and things of that nature. Bill O'Reilly did not lose his job because he's conservative. <laughs> now, uh, I need to uh, take a moment and actually point out something else that's really obvious here. Bill O'Reilly, not mentioned in the book of Revelation. Yeah, I know, it's kind of weird. The name of the program, again, is Revelation in the News. Yet Bill O'Reilly, Fox News, and conservative media pundits not mentioned anywhere in the book of Revelation. Maybe the reason for it, as we learned yesterday from... <laughs> from Greg Laurie is because maybe all the conservatives are going to be nuked by North Korea. You know, it, it's just a, a possible, maybe that's the reason why they're not mentioned in the book of revelation. So we got a problem here. Uh, this is so-called Christian programming on the part of Jim Baker and revelation in the news. Uh, I'm assuming is supposed to have something to do with the book of revelation and current events and, well, the book of Revelation is, at the moment, closed. And um, not only is it closed, what they're talking about, not mentioned anywhere in Revelation. This isn't Christian programming. I don't even know what this is. And I would even argue this is not something that is helpful for conservatives. The strongest voice, conservative voice, in the world... Yes. And yet they were able to wipe him out. Yes. What what do you No, he pretty much wiped himself out. Um yeah, Fox News isn't exactly a liberal uh, media outlet, you know? Think about this today. I, I think it's a scary place to be when you have groups of people that are going after um uh, uh news commentators. Uh you know, it's it's unbelievable to me and um You go to one of the great colleges of the world. I do. And I know your school Mondo, you just spoke at that college. This morning, yes. I had the privilege to speak at their chapel service. You met with the president? Met with the president of the school. He watches our show. He's thankful that we're standing for what we believe in. And that's what we the school stands for they as well. They teach. My God, I want to weep almost. Because freedom of speech has left America. N no, actually, it hasn't. The fact that you're speaking, Jim is proof that you still actually have freedom of speech. I don't see YouTube taking you off the air. Um, and uh, you're still broadcasting in several so-called Christian television networks. So, um, yeah, it, how can you say that there is no freedom of speech while actually exercising it 
And of course, again, none of this has anything to do with what's in the book of Revelation. What happened to Ann Coulter? She got shut down by, you know, protesters that they don't want any conservatives coming to speak. And this is a school that promoted free speech. Yeah, the Ann Coulter thing at Berkeley, uh, that's quite a fascinating thing, showing the hypocrisy of the liberal left. Yeah, they're all for freedom of speech unless, of course, somebody wants to speak and uh, and represent conservative views and values. Nonsense. They plan to shut up every conservative and Christian voice. Uh, who who is they? Who 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 is they? You said they planned. Who's they? And how are they going to pull that off? America, stay tuned today because we're going to prove to you what's going on. And it's dangerous. Yes. It's as, as dangerous as an atomic bomb going off yes. in America. Yes, an atomic bomb would be a horrible, hideous thing. But taking away yours and my freedom of speech and freedom of religion this is where we are right now. What do you want to do? For I want to show you a video from Sean Hannity that he talked about. And he stood up. All right. Now, I'm going to fast forward through the Sean Hannity uh, segment because um, I don't even think it's cogent to uh, the topic at hand. I mean, now, granted, I have no problem admitting that there are liberals today who, if they had their druthers, uh, they would get rid of freedom of speech and freedom of religion. I have no problem admitting that. That's, that's a stated fact. But the thing that they're putting forward as the um, proof that uh, they are in the process of doing this, you know, apparently they, whoever they are, were successful in targeting Bill O'Reilly. No, Bill O'Reilly, this is a self-inflicted wound on the part of Bill O'Reilly. But listen in this next portion because you're going to hear Jim Baker defend Bill O'Reilly in the most indefensible way. This is serious, wow. Pastor. Wow. You know, I would like to find out from you, do you truly believe that they are trying to monitor everything this man is saying? Yes. And every preacher, every minister... Every speaker, every broadcaster. So they, whoever they are, they are monitoring every pastor, preacher, and all this kind of stuff. Okay. And I'm, I know they are, they're monitoring me. There was a pastor in uh, Atlanta who, who was speaking out his opinion on how he felt about his personal values. And what ended up happening is the government came in, demanded that they see all of his uh, records of things that he'd been speaking on and basically shut him down right then. Yeah, the headline said that the government demanded that he turn over his sermons. Yeah, If the government showed up and said, Pastor Roseboro, we demand that you turn your sermons over to us, I would basically say, Go to kongsvingerchurch.org. Yeah, they're all there. Yeah, I don't need to turn over nothing. They're out there right now. You can just go and grab them yourself. So this isn't the first time people have been shut down in America. What Christians need to know. Um, Bill O'Reilly is not a martyr. Is that what they're accusing Bill O'Reilly, for instance, mm -hmm. How could they bring this man down, the number one broadcaster? He brought himself down. 
America. They're bringing him down. We're in the midst of a very severe weathery time here in where we're taping this. So um, we're watching other things. But they, they, they bring these people down for what the others in America, the liberals, for instance, do every day. Only, you know, when you're liberal, that means you can do anything you want. And get away with it. And they can have sex with a different girl or a different man every night. I mean, that's just... Okay. Um, I, you know, I'm just... <laughs> so, liberals, they're not married... And they're just having sex with whoever they want every night. If you're a liberal, you're just sexing it up. That's called an ad hominem argument. And uh, there are plenty of people who are liberals politically who are married and faithful to their spouses. Man, this is unbelievable. You know, it's, it's why is it that Bozo the Clown is at the moment speaking on behalf of conservatives. I this is ridiculous. Style. That's right. But would you have a Christian get caught doing something wrong, or um, a, even one of these conservative announcers? What they say? Well, he was there was a sexual what talking? You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a sexual harassment, harassment lewd, by lewd you know, comments, lewd statements. You know, and you you shouldn't lose your television show you shouldn't lose your life and your livelihood because you said something you know oh um yeah uh oh man i don't even have words for this so according to jim baker bill o'reilly shouldn't have lost his job for making sexually lewd comments and and unwanted sexual advances to some of the women at Fox News. That's preposterous. And here's kind of the other piece of all of this. Conservatism is trying to conserve something. What exactly is conservatism conserving? Is is it conserving just raw political power or is it conserving a principled position? And th- the idea here is is that I'm sorry, but I'm just not a big fan of people being you know the 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 spokespeople for conservatism who do not have biblical values, do not honor the word of God, do not honor that there is a such thing as right and wrong, and who are being basically, in the name of conservatism, out there defending conservatism, while literally they are complete louts in how they behave towards other. And that's, lout is a kind way of talking about the way Bill O'Reilly treated these other women. I mean, do you uh, do you just basically say, hey, listen, if my pa- my pastor is doing such a great job, doing a fantastic job of preaching the word, and um, and he, he sure he's hitting on all the women in the in the church, but you know, hey, you shouldn't lose your job over words. If oh, I, this un- unbelievable, and all of this, uh, let me remind you, Jim Baker. 
during the whole PTL scandal long time ago. Um, yeah, not only was he doing funny things with the money, he, he actually committed adultery on top of it. Um, uh, so uh, there's Jim Baker. Oh, you know, uh, that Bill O'Reilly, he's a martyr. No, he's not. Um, and they're coming to get you, and you shouldn't lose your job by saying sexual words. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And this is Christian programming. They, they're, they're fighting for freedom of speech, but they're, they're taking away all of our freedom of speech. Uh, um, not all speech is protected speech. The, the idea is um, using your words to sexually harass the women at the office. That's not protected speech. That's not freedom of speech. Conservatives are not conserving the right to basically engage in sexual harassment using words. Oh, man. I, um, wow. I'm going to have to take a break. <laughs> I am just like absolutely beside myself at how unbelievably bizarre and backwards and upside down and inside out this is. And yet, this is Christian programming, ladies and gentlemen, the best that we apparently have to offer to the world uh, as far as Christian doctrine and, of course, the defense of conservative values and things like that. Unbelievable. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there at pirate Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to be hearing from Lance Walnow as well as John and Lisa Bevere. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss them. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Sunday, he's a heretic and he's okay. 
God's word, I take your tithe and spend it on private jets. Have you seen my bank account? It's bigger than yours, I'll bet. He twists God's word, he takes your tithe and spends it on private jets. Have you seen his bank account? It's bigger than yours, I'll bet. He's okay. He's all night and lies all day. God's word, I write bad books that will land you all in hell. I'll never say I'm sorry, cause I'll be there as well. He twists God's word, he writes bad books that will land us all in hell. Oh, This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. <laughs> and what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, uh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. <laughs> to err is to heretic. To R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that televangelists 
are not only not qualified to be pastors and preachers in Christ Church, they're not really qualified to do political commentary either. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute an amount that you pick. That's right, you get to pick your rank in our crew. Lowest rank in our crew is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. And then Master Gunner, $49.95 a month. And Quartermaster, $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. It really helps us pay the bills, have a foundation that we can budget and, you know, plan our next exploits and things of that nature. And, of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, we're going to do a prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate twin spin. So let's do this. Get up right now. Robert Tilton and Hubaba Kanda. So we're heading over to the Elijah list right now, and we're going to check in with Elijah list prophetess, self-proclaimed prophetess, Lana Vazer, and uh, she's going to be releasing a word from God um, that she feels like she needs that you know that she's been told to release. And boy, this is a interesting um, <laughs> word from the Lord, the best way I can put it. And the reason I'm saying that is because um, apparently God no longer speaks with authority. Yeah, I'll let Lana Vazer explain. Here we go. I am here today just quickly um, again. Uh, I really felt the Lord wanted me to uh, release uh, this word over you today. Um, so God wants you to release this. This is like releasing a very dangerous virus, I feel. Facebook Live. And uh, and I just, I really pray that it's an encouragement to you um, in this season and especially in this moment that we're in right now where things are still feeling a little bit bumpy, aren't they? The, uh, the atmosphere is still feeling a bit kind of turbulent and... Uh... The, the atmosphere is feeling turbulent. Yeah, I'm not feeling that here in North Dakota. Still some whirlwinds blowing around everywhere. Um, but I really believe that, um, you know, this is the year of breakthrough. Um, this is the year where we're going to see the manifested promises of God in our lives in ways we've never seen before. And uh, you know what? I say it all the time. You know, God hasn't changed his mind. Amen. He hasn't changed his mind. 
Um, there, many, many prophets are decreeing this is the year of um, a breakthrough and greater momentum of breakthrough. So uh, just hold on. Amen. Keep holding on. Even when it seems... I- I'm holding on, Lana. I'm holding on. Dark, it's always... Praying for breakthrough. You know, we're fighting for the faith breaks through and all the false prophets and prophetesses like yourself are no longer listened to. Dark is before the dawn. But uh, I want to share with you today, I'm going to be looking down at my iPad because I was taking a few notes as I felt the Lord speaking to me. But um, I heard the Lord ask me a question this morning, and it was uh, one of those moments where you know that the Lord is is asking you a question, but you know also that it's a, a question that he's asking the body of Christ. Mm, so God's asking a question now. So she's going to release a question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it was a question that really I felt an invitation from the Lord to raise expectation and uh, and to really um, come up higher uh, in our faith and to come up higher in our perspective. So uh, the Lord spoke to me today and he said to me, uh, Lana, what if, just what if this is the greatest season of seeing many of your heart's desires come into manifestation all at once and with great ease. What if? (laughs) So we've gone from thus saith the Lord to what if? (laughs) Apparently God is no longer making any kind of certain assertions anymore no he's no he's given up making any assertions at all he's he's so <laughs> oh, my holy spirit voice so there's the holy spirit calling lana up hi lana this is the holy spirit um could you do one of those really fancy facebook live thingies i oh man facebook is so complicated i i really can't figure it out so if you could release this, this would be great. And uh, here's the thing I'd really like you to release. Uh, are you ready? You got your iPad out? Okay, oh, that's good. Um, all right, here, here's the, here it is. Are you ready? What if, you know, what if, you know, something spectacularly doozy great kind of thingy is going to happen in this next season? Yeah, that's the word. You You can go ahead and release that. What if? we've gotten from the God who speaks the universe into existence in six days and has his prophets say, thus saith the Lord, to now (laughs) decreeing and declaring and releasing, what if? Wow. (laughs) That's all I have to say. And there was this sense of the Lord's heart where he was looking at his people and saying, you know what? I've seen the things you're contending for. I've seen the the heart's desires that you've been continually crying out to me and decreeing my word, um, you know, over these promises in your life, the heart's desires that I have given you. And Now, this is kind of an interesting thing. This is all part of the purpose-driven dream destiny thingy doctrine as it gets uh, morphed in the uh, charismatic movement. That God, you know, has a specific dream destiny for you. He has promises that He's going to fulfill, and you've got to you've got to battle for those. You've got to activate them. You've got to you've got to pray into them, and you you got and all this kind of stuff. And and so you, you know, you've been told by dip, 
different prophets or prophetesses that this thing or that thing is something you're going to do and you're going to change the world and all this kind of stuff, and then nothing happens, right? And so you begin to lose heart. So notice what she's doing here is that this prophecy is designed to help bolster those whose faith may be flagging as a result of um, uh, the, the the promises never seeming to arrive that uh, they were told by such and such a prophet that would be there. Yeah, that's what this is. It's kind of sick and twisted if you think about it. Been standing your ground and you've been holding them. And, and for many, I felt like many people are just because of the battle and the weariness and, and the hopelessness that, that many have been facing, that it's almost like expectation has, has dropped a little bit for many. So maybe instead of believing for really big things like that, you know, God's going to do above and beyond what, what I could ever hope, imagine or dream. Maybe I'll just lower my expectation a little bit and and I'll kind of just believe for this little thing. Like if God can just, you know, meet this, like one of these things, then it'll like, that's okay. But I felt like, you know, please hear me. I'm not saying that um, we are not to believe for little things. Absolutely. We are to believe for for the little things, but we're also to believe for the big things. And I feel like... um, this question that the Lord asked was that he was actually calling us up higher and saying, you know, what if, what if this is the season, your greatest season upon you? Don't you think God would know if it is or isn't? Why would God say, what if it is? Why would God set somebody's expectation for it potentially being the season of breakthrough and then not have it happen? What if, what if? You are going to experience a breakthrough that is so dramatic, it's so radical that you are going to see not just one of my promises and one of um, the heart's desires that I've given you to uh, come into fruition and come into manifestation. What if this is the season where everything's going to... What if, what if, no longer thus saith the Lord, what if light at once what if this is the season where everything is going to happen all at once and then suddenly i heard amos 9 suddenly she heard amos 9 yeah 13 to 15 in the in the uh, message translation and it's one of my favorite scriptures i quote it all the time the message is a paraphrase it is not a translation but, you know, it, it says pretty much that, you know, things are going to happen so quick for you, your head is going to swim one thing fast on the heels of another, and you won't be able to keep up. There will be blessing. Ap- yeah, you're twisting Amos now. Blessing, pouring off the mountains um, like wine. I will make everything right again for my people. So what if this is your greatest season? Where What if? Everything is about to come together all at once. What if this what if? is, you know, the, the next prayer that you pray? What if the next declaration that you declare? What if that next thing is the thing that is going to release the tipping point into your... So notice there's no way to say this is a false prophecy. Uh, yeah, hey, listen, Lana, you, you, you promised me that this was the season of breakthrough. You said God said it is, and she'll say, no, 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 God didn't say, thus saith the Lord. He just said, what if? 
life to see an acceleration of his promise, like the manifestation of his promises and his blessing into your life. Friends, I feel it's time to raise our expectations, to not be looking um, at the natural, not be looking around us and saying, oh my goodness, this hasn't happened yet. I've been contending for 10 things and not even... Yeah, you've been contending. contending. You got to contend for your destiny, you know thing has come to pass. I feel like the Lord is wanting us to raise our expectation and to say, Lord, you know what? Yes. Yes. I believe this could be the greatest season. I believe it could be. (laughs) I am 100% positive this might be the season of breakthrough doesn't make any sense you're not hearing from god lana where i'm going to see so many of your promises and the desires of my heart that you have given me come into manifestation and breakthrough suddenly and all at once i feel like that there has been a real because of the the atmosphere um because of the atmosphere, okay. Things that are happening in the body of Christ, the yeah. things that the enemies, you know, he's doing a whole heap of stuff, but we don't we don't focus on him. But I feel like there has been a lie um, that that the enemy's trying to to cloud people's vision. And- yeah, the enemy is clouding people's vision right now through this false prophecy, the the what if pro- prophecy. <laughs> oh man. I think you get the point. Talk, talk about lame. I, I mean, seriously, I, I remember back in the day, you know, when false prophets would actually have the, the chutzpah to say, thus saith the Lord, but not anymore. No. All right. Moving along. We're still under the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate. We're going to keep Lance Walnow under that, although technically he's an NAR guy still. This is kind of in that stream. So uh, here's Lance Walnow to explain to us the the prophetic significance of the month of Issachar. Yeah, here here we go. You guys, I'm out here in uh, Nevada. I just arrived, and it's kind of it's so beautiful up in the mountains right now. And there's this really majestic snow-covered peaks. This is the month of Issachar, the tribe of Issachar, and uh, Issachar. You remember in the Hebrew was the tribe whose meaning, the meaning of the tribe means he brings his gift with him. And it was the tribe that was decisive among the Hebrews in discerning, believe it or not, the times of the heavenlies and the... Yeah, you know, Issachar. Yeah. Have you ever seen one of those like mini, uh, what is it, Fiats? You know, the, those tiny little cars, you know, kind of thing. You, you take a look at that and you go, what is that thing? Is that a bicycle? And the guy goes, no, it's a car. Yeah the earth. Therefore, they understood how to discern timing, interpret the signs prophetically of what was... <laughs> so the people of Issachar, you know, they could define, they can t- define the prophetic times. Yeah, okay. ...around them, and they knew what needed to be done. This is the month when God reveals things hidden, which goes right to the Donald Trump prophecy I gave. <sighs> Why is it that we have the looniest people who are currently the, the, the voices of defending conservatism? A year ago, that this king would be like a Cyrus who would loose the belts 
of rulers, which literally means disarm adversaries, and uh, who would discover the treasures hidden in darkness. This is the month when God is going to reveal to you the treasures he has for you, the opportunities that he has set for you. And I've got 800, nearly 800 of you are joining us online for the next three days to do the Issachar exploration on your feet. The, the Issachar exploration, really? Sure. On the transitions that you're in, on your identity. This is the time for your identity upgrade. Who you really? I need an identity upgrade. I had no idea. Are you have a gift in you? Will the government recognize my new upgraded identity? That is meant for a certain people. There's something you do that no one else can do exactly like you. Uh-huh. Dream destiny thingy doctrine. False doctrine. We're creating Christ Jesus for good works, plural, not a unique, specific thing. And God wants to release clarity and confidence and authority. For Yeah, if God's releasing clarity, then people would leave you in droves because they would clearly see you're a false teacher next sphere of influence that you have I've got friends of mine that are at the national day of prayer in washington sending me pictures of them with donald trump and mike pence and and i had an invitation to go there the timing for me was to be right here in nevada at this dream trip go to lance wall now w-a-l-l-n-a-u.com forward slash dream trip get the hour coaching i did for the pre-event it's in-depth stuff. This isn't like superficial fluff. This is like drill down because in three days you get that coaching material. You write, you, you do the homework that I gave, which is the in-depth coaching program that we're going to. Yeah, so I need to get Lance Wilnow's uh, dream trip coaching seminar thingy because, you know, this is the month of Issachar. God's going to reveal secrets and stuff, you know, because of the Trump prophecy. My goodness, what is going on in evangelicalism? Wow. All right, moving along, um, let's uh, do this as our update for <laughs> this conversation that we're going to be hearing between John and Lisa Bevere regarding women in the ministry. So we're going to head over to the podcast of John and Lisa Bevere as they have a conversation relating to women preaching in church. God's word explicitly forbids this. We will check the biblical text, but they are not going to be discussing what the Bible says. Instead, they're going to come up with their own logic for, well, just, you know, justifying the unjustifiable biblically. Yeah, here we go. We are again opening up, and I still kind of have a protein bar in my mouth, so I'm trying awesome. to get a little strength. So anyway, Lisa... Do, do I, I make you weak? Do I make you weak, babe? No, nah, yeah, podcast? just looking at you makes me weak at the knees. But anyway... Um, wow. You're so beautiful. Yeah. 
You are. I anyway. still want to hit you. So you, you love Well, when you hit me, that means you love me. So you I'm have always adopted that from Hitch. You know, I'm you know the always, secret. always happy when you hit me. So that's that's thank awesome. you. So anyway, um, I I don't think we talked enough about you know our last podcast. We talked about women preaching. I don't think we talked enough about it. So I and, and just just I in just case, try to adjust his mic. Just if in you case just run away. anybody, yep. Lisa's trying to adjust my mic. She's being a producer right now. Not okay. Just I can a, tell a you preacher. a story. I can tell you a story. Tell me a story, baby. So you know, I, I, you know, I do, I do consider it an honor and a privilege. I don't consider it a right. I do consider it's an honor and privilege. Well said. That I get to, to get to do first women's conferences and second sometimes Sunday worship services. I don't feel entitled to that. I feel like- You don't feel entitled to that. It sounds so humble, doesn't it? But Scripture straight up forbids it. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is quite a fascinating passage, one worth paying attention to. And here's what it says, starting halfway through verse 33. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches. Where they're not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the Torah also says. We're going to talk about that in a second. This is law in a broad sense. That's why I translate it as Torah. As the Torah also says, if there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. It is shameful for a woman to speak in church. So she's sitting there humbly saying, oh, I I don't consider it. You know, something that I'm obligated to. It's a privilege whenever it happens that I get to speak and preach, preach in a church. Now, I don't have a problem with her speaking at conferences. Yeah. Uh, Women are not forbidden from telling people about Christ, proclaiming the gospel, calling people to repent and be forgiven for their sins. Nope, Scripture doesn't forbid them from doing any of that. What Scripture forbids them from doing is exercising authority over a man and preaching and teaching in Christ's church over men. So, um, so the other passage in question, by the way, is in sec- in First Timothy chapter 2. And uh, here's what it says, verse 11, Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Here's the reason why. For Adam was formed first. This is the in the Torah. Adam was formed first, then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived, and she became a transgressor. Mm-hmm. So two passages saying the same thing, very clear. Women are not to teach and preach in Christ's church. That, that command comes from God himself. It's not about me, and it's not about my political views or anything like that. It's just straight up what the word says honor and a privilege. You I don't just know want, this, I but just I tell pastors go, all over the place, please have my wife in. Please stop that. Because I believe in you, because <laughs> I me. believe men have, men have expressed to me they've received more from you than about anybody else they've heard. And that just really blesses me. Yeah, I've had men in Hillsong, London tell me that. I've had men around the country that are like, man, your wife, when she spoke, she just touched a part of me that nobody else has touched. And, and I think that's because of the anointing on your life, but I think it's- so. Apparently, she has an anointing, and she and when she d- straight up disobeys God's word and preaches beta males at Hillsong, they they end up sitting there going, "Oh, she just totally touched me in a place I've never been touched before." That could totally be misconstrued. 
because of the feminine heart that you carry. And I think it's a mama's voice because I've had people definitely say the same things about you. That are- mm. So all the mama's boys, the beta males. Yeah, got it. You, you really touch a string with them in their hearts. Got it. And saying your husband, my life was radically changed by his message on the fear of the Lord, on undercover, on bait of Satan. So I think that that's the thing is God wants both. He, it, it isn't either or, it's both. It's an and. And I think that that's where we've lost some of the richness. But I was preaching at a church and I absolutely loved my time at the weekend. I was- Yet God's word forbids this. A powerful meetings on Friday and Saturday for the women and Sunday morning, I did the service. The pastor was so honoring. The people were so honoring. Standing ovation. But there's always that one person waiting afterwards in line. And you can see them. You're like, oh, no, here it comes. So I had the hugs from a bunch of couples. And there was the one brother, the one brother that I could see that he was going to come up to me afterwards, even when I was preaching, who just couldn't wait. And he said, look at you all up there, all bold, talking, knowing what First Timothy says. I was pretty surprised you'd be that bold. And I- yeah, and that brother's right, that you would be that. Bold is not the right word. Brazen is a better way of describing it. You know, you just smile and you just go, oh, thank you. Can I address that? Yeah, just smile and say thank you. Don't repent and say you're right. God's word forbids me from preaching. Yes, go ahead. You're commanded to preach the gospel boldly. Paul said to the— Not in church. Not in church. Mm-hmm. That's where the women are not to do that. Only men are called to the pastoral office, and it's the men who are to preach and teach. This is the will of Christ. Corinthians and to the Ephesians, and pray for me that I might speak boldly as I ought to speak. So you're commanded to preach the gospel by Jesus himself, by God himself. Are you supposed to not speak it boldly? And well, I do think a lot of women feel, and again, I'm just speaking for the women who has been that, not bold. Um, I do think the women feel like if they say it as a question, if they say it as a pondering point, then they feel like they're not out of line. I, I do remember a turning point for me was when I was actually at Hillsong London and um, Pastor Gary Clark uh, pulled me aside afterwards and said, you insult my church. And I'm like, what? I love that and he did he this. And he said, hey, you get up at the women's conference, at, you know, at the Hillsong Women's Conference, you're all bold on Friday and Saturday and you come in here on Sunday and you ask everything like it's a question yep. instead of declaring it as truth. And I just was in shock and I looked at him and Chris Kane was in the car and I looked at Chris Kane for like help because I, I had never even preached in my home church. And I said, Christine, tell him. And she said, I wish you'd just figure this out. You know, and the truth is, if we're going to say it like a question and if we don't say it decisive, it does make people wonder why we're up there talking. Well, you know, at that time you had- You mean Lana Vazer prophecy, what if style? Okay. Under a teaching that women were only allowed to testify, tell stories, but they weren't allowed to preach. Share. I believe it was share. 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 Okay. Nope. They're not allowed to preach and teach in Christ's church. Scripture is clear on this. This isn't a man-made doctrine. Ching. I remember saying to you repeatedly, Lisa, I am your husband. I want you to preach. And you were really— As if you as her husband have the authority to overrule the word of God held back by the because fact, you weren't my pastor right, right. because i, wonder, I wasn't your pastor and, and, right. and i respect that. and your pastor doesn't have the authority to overrule the word of god 
about you because at least the thing I say constantly about you is that you are a woman that fears God, which means you want to do what God wants more than any. No, she has no fear of God, and she's totally defying what God's word says. Else. Which but, doesn't mean I do everything right. It just means I end up saying I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but, but Lisa, it just broke my heart to see you get up and not speak boldly because I know you had so much to give. Now, I'm going to say this again. What I love about you is you don't, you don't preach like a man. You preach like a mother and you preach with, with boldness. And I've, I've said this for years and you've said this for years. A church without a father's or without a mother's voice is as unhealthy as a home without a mother's voice. And to be honest with you, God will give home. And how do you come to such a conclusion? A church without a mother's voice is unhealthy. Which biblical text says that? God's word says women are not to teach in the church. Don't have mother's grace because the mother was tragically lost in a car wreck or or died of a disease, and he'll give them grace. But you know, I don't think God's real happy the fact that the women have been suppressed and not allowed to proclaim the word because so God's not happy that women have been suppressed in the church. Yet God, the Holy Spirit, is the one who inspired the Apostle Paul to write not once but twice that women are not to preach and exercise authority over a man. This doesn't make any sense. Missed out on the mother's voice. And in traveling in in the landscape all over the world, Lisa, the churches that celebrate their women and encourage their women to flourish in the gifts that God's placed in their life, in other words, they have put people in positions based off of anointing and gifting and character, not based off of gender. Those have been the healthiest churches I've preached in all over the world. And I guarantee you, doctrinally, they are a sieve. Yep, <laughs> that's the best way. What he thinks is healthy is absolutely sick. That's the only way I can describe it. Yep. Wow. Oh, why? Because they had a father's voice and they had a mother's voice. And that's what the church of Jesus Christ needs. And I want to be known as a proponent of somebody that really is saying to the daughters, to the mothers, please let your voice be heard because we need to hear from you. Now, I, I, I'm going to say this, and, and, and this, 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 this is really important. I, I feel like I'm, I'm coming into being a father in the, in the, in the church. Okay, yeah, I, think, I think you've got the ear of a lot of daughters right now. I feel like I have a re- responsibility to affirm the daughters and the mothers. Because if you look at Jesus, God... You have a responsibility to affirm the daughters in their defiance of the written word of God. Yeah, that makes no sense. And the grandmothers. Jesus. God affirms Jesus when he was baptized, yeah. When he was baptized and said, this is my son, he affirmed him at the River Jordan. The first thing Satan does when he goes out to the desert is he challenges the affirmation. Oh, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God. Then the first city Jesus goes to, they challenge the affirmation. They say, oh, this is just Joseph's son. He's just the carpenter's son. You know what the Bible says? He could not do any mighty works. It doesn't say he wouldn't. It said he couldn't. The gift of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord, Master, and Savior, was literally suppressed, held back because he was not affirmed. And So if you're not affirming the daughters in the church, their gift from God is being suppressed. You don't affirm 
our daughters, our mothers, and our grandmothers, then you know what? The gift of God in them is going to be held back. And you Which know means what? we... Right. They've, they've got a preaching gift. They can be pastors and stuff. And we're suppressing... The, and God's mighty works can't... Wait a second. God's word says no. We lose as, yeah. the, as the church. We lose. The world loses. They don't hear the voice of the daughters and the mothers and the grandmothers speaking out. You know, Philip's got four daughters that prophesy. You know, uh, the first first one who really, really announced Jesus in the temple, well, it was actually Simon, but then it was Anna the prophetess. If you, Yeah, Anna the prophetess did not do that in a church service. It, if you look at Mary, she was the first one to proclaim Jesus' res- resurrection. He's alive. Yeah, of course. And she didn't do it in a church service. Guys, and so, you know, we've got to get the women out there to proclaim the word of God. I love your passion with that. And, and you know, I think that... Yeah, she just loves his passion. Oh, wow. Thank you, honey. Smoochy, smoochy and stuff. Wow. Um, yeah, notice, no in-depth discussion about what God's word actually says. No, you've got an anointing. You you have a gifting. So we, we because of that, we can just ignore 1 Timothy 2 and 1 Corinthians 14. Yeah, this is straight up rebellion against God and what he has revealed and put down in his word. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to end off by listening to uh, Steve Kozar interviewing Matt Garnett, uh, two of the people who will be speaking at this year's Pioneer Christian Radio Conference. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Sissioprified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. All right, we're back. We're going to do something a little different. Change it up here. We won't do this every week, but we will be doing this periodically. 
right. This is a place where you would normally hear the good, the bad, the ugly, but not today. Today we're going to uh, – I'm just going to set this up. We're going to be hearing kind of the inaugural uh, Steve Kozar interview with various people segment that we're going to do from time to time here at Fighting for the Faith. And uh, Stephen uh, picked up uh, like like a great interview, uh, interviewee, and that is Matthew Garnett of the program that airs on Pirate Christian Radio named In Layman's Terms. And uh, and he is uh, f- he has a fascinating story. He used to be a evangelical pastor, and uh, and he's no longer that. And both Stephen Kozar and Matthew Garnett will be speaking at this year's Pirate Christian Radio conference here uh, at uh, Kongsvinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota, just uh, north of us here and across the river in uh, Minnesota, in uh, the second weekend of. August. All the details are at fightingforthefaith.com. Click on the conferences link. Details about registration, where to stay, and all that kind of stuff is there. We'd really love to have you come and uh, join us. So let's get to it. Here is uh, Stephen Kozar's interview with Matthew Garnett. Just so you know, they had originally recorded it with the possibility of putting a break in there. We won't put another break in, but uh, they did that uh, to be polite. But uh, we'll just kind of blow through the break and and uh, let the conversation continue. Here we go. I am on the phone right now with Matthew Garnett. Welcome, Matthew. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Steve. And I'm going to call you Matt. That'd be fine. Just like you can call me Steve. I'm only, Sounds good. I'm only Steven to um, the art community when I want to sell something at the highest possible price and to my mother-in-law. Otherwise, everybody calls me Steve. So. I got you. I, you know, call me anything you want. Just don't call me late to dinner. That's all I ask. Wow, wow, wow. Hey, but seriously, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're going to spend a little time here. I want to talk about your um, – I don't know, uh, podcasting, uh, ministry, you're, uh, you're, you're like this passionate guy, even though you're not a uh, full-time minister at all, you're doing this as a, um, I don't want to call it a hobby. What do you call it when you don't make any money from your ministry? Uh, um, <laughs> and well, the official term is avocation. Avocation. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an addition to my vocation. Uh, but uh, honestly, the reason uh, I do it is because uh, I've learned so much from it. Honestly, uh, when I'm, you know, I found when, when I am teaching, um, that's when I learn the most. So, uh, and I like to talk. So I figure, <laughs> well, I learn and this kind of just is an outlet for me to, to talk about stuff that's going through my brain. And that's why I podcast. So and other, otherwise you'd be doing all this to your wife and she's got only so much she can take. It's like, Hey, get up the recorder, Matt, start talking to the recorder. I've had it. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And so, right. So that's, so that's what I do. And, and interestingly enough, there's a few people out there who find, you know, my, my ramblings helpful um, to kind of think through, you know, their faith. Yeah. So that's great. Well, okay. So that is the idea. And your podcast is called in layman's terms. Right. Yeah, in layman's terms, and you can check us out at inlaymanstermsradio.org. That's the, all of our, I mean, essentially that website is just uh, our podcast feed. And um, if you're feeling real froggy and you really like what we're doing, you can donate there and that sort of thing. But, but again, I'm not doing it for, uh, as a strict vocation. I mean, I'm a, I'm a truck driver primarily, and that's what I spend my time doing to make money. And uh, in order, uh, 
that I can be a good husband, father, these sorts of things. And while I'm out there and I've got time, throw my thoughts out there. Yeah. And, uh, you're, yeah, you're, so. you're, you're similar to me in that your job gives you a lot of time to listen to podcasts. So right. when you're, you're driving your truck, listening, I'm sitting here working on a painting, listening. So it's a real, it's a real benefit that we have not a lot of, not a lot of people have a job where they have all that time to be able to listen to something while they're working. So. Right, right. Exactly. Well, and that's the thing is that's, that's what's wonderful about the technology today and everything that we have access to. I mean, there's, there's some obviously real dark sides to it, yep. but one, one thing that's very positive and, and I encourage Jen and the kids to do is, Hey, when you guys are in transit to school and transit to work, you know, it takes 20, 30 minutes to get somewhere. Take that time to study your scriptures, you know, put up the, the Bible on audio or whatever, you know, and one thing I do for Jen and the kids, is I put up memory work and that sort of thing. Hmm. So they can, they can work on it on the, on the way to school and on the way home from school and these sorts of things. So, you know, that I would encourage people to take advantage of that time. Don't, don't just waste that time sitting there listening, you know, and it's obviously it's fine to throw on the radio and listen to some music and that sort of thing. I mean, I'm not discouraging that. Right. But at the same time, you know, we, we live in a very fast paced culture and there's not always the time to stop and, and study your Bible and, and understand what it says right. or to listen to a sermon or these sorts of things. And I would encourage people with any kind of commute, whether it's 20 minutes or, you know, an hour and 20 minutes, take, you know, use, use that to your advantage because the technology is out there. You can learn so much. Just, you know, just using the technology. So I just wrote a blog post yesterday and uh, Romans 12, 2 was in there about um, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And the world says, no matter what you're doing, you've got to have music playing. You've got to have the TV on. You've got to have the Internet on. You've got to have something going. You can't have anything quiet, which really bugs right. me. I think that's a real problem. And then. You have Christians saying, oh, I just don't have any time to listen to a podcast, but but it's just not true in many cases. It's because they're filling their mind with what everybody else is doing, and it becomes normal because it's so common, but that doesn't mean it's the best thing. The best thing for you in the in the course of your week is not necessarily to watch TV a lot or listen to the radio a lot when you could be listening to a really helpful podcast. And now, if, yeah. you, if you have time otherwise, fine. I, we're, we're not against a little entertainment now and then. I just I, – I've uh, – we're kind of going on a tangent here, but I've mentioned this a number of times how we got rid of television. We got rid of the, um, you know, the cable hookup thing, satellite sure. or whatever. And we, we do have an antenna for the free local channels, but we never use it. We just never use it. And it's not because we never watch something, but when we watch something, it's specifically because we say, now we're going to take some time and we're going to relax and we're going to put on a specific show that we want to watch. And otherwise yep. we never have it going in the background. And I really feel like, Christians would have so much more clarity in their thinking if, number one, they just turned a lot of stuff off so that they had quiet. And then, number two, if they were listening to things, you know, obviously listen to people like you and me because we're so great and wonderful and have so much to say. No, <laughs> that's not my point. My point is that there are yeah. really good resources. And, and, yeah, I'm like you. My podcast, my interviewing, my writing is is trying to say to whoever I can say it to, Here's what I've learned. It's been really helpful in my life. Maybe it will be helpful to you. I'm not the I'm not sure. the answer guy, but I want to point you to some answers. So, okay. So we're done with that tangent. Uh, you're also yeah. on Pirate Christian Radio. Uh, you're one of the guys that's weekly 
on, but you don't have to wait until it's on. You can also go to your podcast feed directly and listen to it whenever you want on demand, like, like most podcasts. And you're going to be a speaker at the pirate conference coming up in just, uh, what is it? Three months from now? Yeah, in August. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we'll all be there. You, me, Amy Streeman, Pastor Roseboro, and it's it's going to be a sounds like a you know kind of a layman's take on everything that's going on out there. Yep. Yeah. And I um, that, yeah, that's right. Um, um, I am so excited. I literally think about it every day, um, <laughs> which is overkill, I know. But I, I'm 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 formulating the outline for my talk. I already know what I'm going to talk about, but I'm formulating the outline in my head before I commit anything to paper. Um, I am curious though, because you know I was the guy that s- suggested you. I uh, Chris asked me and Amy if we wanted to do it, and then he said I need one more person. And I said, Hey, how about how about Matthew Garnett? And I was one of the first things that popped into my head was you did a series about the sacraments of pop evangelicalism. Is that, is that the right. way you phrased it? Yep, the seven. Yeah, the seven sacraments of of, of pop evangelicalism. Yeah, that's right. That was an interesting series, and it really uh, made a lot of sense to me because I also came out of the pop evangelical world. Yeah, well, and it, fill us in a little yeah. bit about some of that content. Okay, right. Yeah, so that's definitely one of the topics I'm going to be speaking on. Um, and basically, the idea is, I mean, uh, and so for people who don't know. Uh, a sacrament essentially is is what we call a means of grace. So, in other words, it's uh, so, so it's a it's a conveyor by which we uh, experience the gospel. Really, is what a sacrament is supposed to be. And in the pop evangelical world, unfortunately, the true gospel has been relegated to um, to what I would call a sacrament. So, so the gospel itself, the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation, is not really the purpose of Christ coming and being, you know, shrinking himself down into the, into the virgin, uh, into the womb of a virgin and being born a man, living, teaching, uh, healing, dying, <laughs> dying on the cross and rising from the dead for the forgiveness of our sins and the reconciliation of us to God. That's really not the point of, <laughs> of the gospel. Um, in, in the pop evangelical world, that is only a, a piece of what they will say you need in order to achieve your purpose. That's really what, what's going on in the pop evangelical world is the the end goal is for you to achieve your purpose in life. And, mm-hmm. and this was really promulgated by, by Rick Warren and the church growth movement. Yeah. So, um, so in other words, what the ultimate goal is, is to have this purpose, and this is really <clears throat> founded on uh, on Bill Bright and uh, Campus Crusade for Christ and the four spiritual laws, the 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 law particularly of God has a wonderful plan for your life, yeah, and yeah. so what? Yeah, so what Rick Warren did was he took that and he really expanded that idea of that uh, this this whole notion of God having this wonderful plan for your life, and saying that really the gospel. Uh, in and of itself is a means for you to have uh, this wonderful plan that God has for your life. And so, um, you know, just kind of, uh, and what's interesting is it it seems like Christianity uh, always tends toward what I would say Rome, 
which is really work salvation. Mm-hmm. So in other words, for you to have the gospel, for you to have this wonderful plan for your, your life, for you to have this purpose, there are certain things that need to be accomplished. There are means of grace by which you come to have this wonderful plan for your life. And really that ends up being the gospel. And that is particularly appealing uh, to to North American Western Christians because you know we we want all you know we all want the American dream we want to have uh, the good career we want to have a, a purposeful life we want to be remembered in this world and so we we gear our lives toward this end toward this purpose toward the toward having this this wonderful life and what we miss in the entire thing is the gospel so um, so what I did was to to kind of show people that are in that world that really what they've done is they've returned to a system of work salvation is I, I compared it with the seven, you know, I, I said, it, I called it the seven sacraments of the pop evangelical world because the, the Roman Catholics have seven sacraments, you know, by which you are to exercise these sacraments. You're to use them. You're to do them in order to achieve, um, achieve salvation, reduce your time in purgatory and achieve heaven uh, sooner right. than later. Uh, and so instead of uh, instead of looking at it in an in an eternal sense in an eschatological sense like like the Romanists do, uh, the the pop evangelicals look at it in a very temporal sense. That there are certain things you do, and one of them is to make a decision for Christ to be saved, and the gospel is there. They still do have the gospel, but it, but it's not something that's prominent in their theology. What is ultimately the gospel, quote unquote, for them, is their purpose. And that's what you know. If you if you listen to uh, to pop evangelical sermons, that's really what they're driving you toward. And so I have you know, there's certain things like the sacrament of self help is very uh, prominent in pop evangelical preaching. So basically, what self help is, is it's a law, uh, but it's not biblical law per se. So in other words, when you hear a preacher preach uh, something like you should be doing X, Y, and Z, well. I mean, it may be perfectly fine advice, but is it from the Bible? That's really the question. <laughs> it's <laughs> kind so, of, it's really, so obvious, too. You know, um, yeah. like you listen to these sermons, especially the really bad ones that, that Chris Roseboro yeah. does, and you're yeah. like, really? He's actually going there? He's talking about that? That's what he yeah. thinks is important? It's not in the Bible. And then you realize, well, <sighs> they don't care. They don't care if it's in the Bible or not. Sure. They, they all, you know, they're, they're really concerned with getting a, across really practical life application, life transformation type of tips. And again, some of them might be biblical, but the thing of it is from a layman's perspective, when a preacher is, is preaching on these sorts of self-help topics, what the question comes, the question that comes into my mind is, okay, that sounds good, but on what authority are you giving this to me? I mean, how do I know that what you're saying is is a, is good advice or bad advice, you know, and based on what? Just because it, it sounds good or something that, that our culture perceives as a felt need? Right. Well, that, that really doesn't cut it because at the end of the day, what I'm basically um, putting my trust in is you as a man to be able to discern what I need. And, and essentially, that's, that's – um, that's that's being a papist because that's what the papists do. That's what the Romanists do. They trust in a man to tell them what they need huh. and what's right. Yeah. Well, and so and I would yeah. I would I would also add to that that the um, 
Oh man, I, I, I just had this thought as you were talking. I hope I can grab onto it again. <laughs> I hate it when yeah. that happens. Whenever yeah. I'm interviewing somebody, I'm listening really carefully to what they're saying. And then a thought pops into my head. Um, okay. The, uh, the idea that you, you need to have a, a, a purpose, an individual purpose ties into two things at the same time that right. confuse people. Um, so going back to how you started, what you were just saying, we are told that we're supposed to lead other people to Christ, we're, we're, sure. which comes out of a revivalistic theology. And right. that, that's something I've been reading about a lot, because I'm going to talk about that in my talk uh, at the okay. conference. But if if you trace back, even Bill Bright himself, uh, he could not tolerate being in seminary long enough to graduate because he was yep. so convinced that he had to go out and evangelize. He just couldn't take it yep. anymore. He was so anxious to get out there and to win souls. That's the term that right. was really popular. It's not as popular today, but, you know, how many souls for Christ did you win? So yes. that if if you say that's your purpose, well, that's pretty clear. You could sort of uh, promote that using Bible verses without a lot of sure. trouble. Um, yep. I, I still think there's way too much Pelagianism in there, but that's another issue. Yeah. But yeah. what what happens is that they they kind of fade that idea into a completely separate idea. And that is that you have dreams and goals and visions for your life. And that's what God wants for you as well. Yes. And, right. and, well, and, and but the two are not the same. You having a really good yeah. job and a good car and a happy family are, is not the same thing as you winning souls for Christ and building God's kingdom, but they overlap the right. two and they kind of, crossfade them together in such a way that you don't really understand what's being said most of the time. Right. Right. Well, so over the past, I would say decade, 15 years, the, the pop evangelical church growth movement has morphed into this really purpose-driven, you know, God has a wonderful plan for your life idea. Whereas with, with, with when I was in that, that whole world as a pastor and I spent 10 years as pretty much, uh, uh, you know, a, uh, an evangelical pastor in, in the pop evangelical world, more probably on the fundamentalist side of things than anything. But, but the idea was we, you know, that was our purpose. We wanted to drive everybody toward that purpose of winning souls. Mm -hmm. And, and that's really, you know, so if you wanted to be a, a part of something that was bigger than yourself, then what, what, what else could there be other than to win souls for the kingdom of God? And, and we were convinced that people's eternal destinies depended on what we did, what you know, how well we did at preaching the gospel. I mean, that was the whole reason I became a pastor was because you know I was like, hey, I need to win souls, and where else, what 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 other better place to win souls than in the, in, in the pastoral office? That's where I'm going to have the you know the biggest voice, the biggest microphone, and all that sort of thing, and the most opportunity to to tell people about Christ and to have them make decisions. Uh, for the Lord, well, that has that has morphed into uh, into something completely different because mm -hmm. not everybody is an evangelist, you know, and so um, really, what they're driving at, or I, um, I mean, the best construction I can put on it is they're talking about vocation. So, so the idea that I'm a truck driver and that's how I I provide for my family um, as being a good work, um, that's I think ultimately what they're driving at. But the thing of it is, it's it's like vocation on steroids. In other words, me being a good husband to Jen and 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 uh, father to Isaac and Amelia, my children, 
uh, via the means of me being a truck driver and, and you know making sure they're catechized or in a good church and that sort of thing. Well, that that's okay. But what you really want to do is do something world changing. I mean, you'll hear them talk about things in these terms. I mean, you want to change the world. You, right, right. you, you know, that's that's really kind of thematic in their preaching, and that's really uh, what they talk about a lot. Is you want to do something uh, that is that is life changing, that is world changing. I remember a, a pastor I reviewed, I don't know, a year or so ago. Uh, and and he talked about his father and how his father just had a normal job and he really didn't do anything too great and he kind of poo-pooed that and i was like that's that's really sad and astonishing because one of the good works that our lord wants us to do is be good husbands and fathers and one of the ways we do that is through our work you know through the work of our hands and the Lord sees that as a good work, and but but that's really that really doesn't cut it in the pop evangelical world. You've got to do something greater than that. You've got to make your life more meaningful than being a good husband and father. Right. Being a good husband and father doesn't cut it anymore. It's so uh, being, dumb too, because nobody actually yeah. does become a world changer. Right. right. I mean, let, let's let's be honest, people. You're not going to be a world changer. I'm not going to be a world changer. Chris Roseborough is yep. not going to be a world changer. Right. I mean, Donald Trump isn't really even a world changer. You know, right. God is the one who's in charge. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, it's it's as if we're in control of these things and we can, you know, we, we want to be we want to all shoot for being some, you know, significant figure in world history. I mean, there are those. There's but, so uh, few. And that's not what God well, has called us to do. It's it's just it's so freeing yeah. when like right now uh, my wife is reading um, the book Ordinary. By, yeah. uh, by Michael Horton. Right. And and she's just loving it because yep. when, when we went through this process, she was so freed up from having to feel like she has to be a speaker and an author. She has right. to go out and impact people's lives in a, in a really profound way. And, yep. you know, we're both in our early 50s now. So yep. you get to a point, you know, maybe about halfway through your adult life where you say, you know, these people are just selling me crap. I'm yeah, not, I'm not going to be a world changer. I just, I just want to, I just want to be happy. I want to do the most with what God has given me, and I, yeah. and I, I, I want to stop pretending that I'm going to somehow change the entire world because I'm not going to, and and it actually is a burden I can't bear anymore. Right. Well, and that's the thing is you, uh, what what is seldom spoken about in in our day and time because we live in such a celebrity culture and that sort of thing we want to be you know we want to have a, a big name and people know who we are and that sort of thing yeah and what what are you know sociologically what is being borne out is that if hey if you want to change the world be a dad you know start there make mm -hmm. sure your children are raised properly and i mean that is right now if you, when you want to talk about goals in life my goal in life is to uh is to sustain my marriage um and 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 not only sustain it but make it a good marriage mm -hmm. uh and, and to raise my kids so that they don't lose their faith right when they get older and for them to go on and have families where they raise children who uh who keep their faith that is my goal mm -hmm. and that's the thing i think we often miss in pursuit of these big dreams and destinies and all these sorts of things is that Really, what quote changes the world? If you want to be a world changer, start off, you know, not even start off, but focus your life on being a husband and a father or a mother or, or whatever the case may be. 
And that is straight from the scriptures. I mean, uh, St. Paul teaches us this in, in Ephesians. The, the Ten Commandments teaches this. Uh, but but what's, what gets lost in all this, this purpose-driven, you know, wonderful plan for your life uh, type of uh, language is we lose – we completely lose the basic notion of vocation and really what builds uh, a godly family, what builds a godly society and these sorts of things. And so that gets completely lost, and, and, and instead we abandon that because that's just too mundane and ordinary for us to uh, – and I really appreciate uh, Horton's book. I, I love that. I've given that to many people to read. I'm like, here, read this uh, because, I mean, think about it. I mean how, how different would the world be if every man – was a good husband and a good father. The yeah. world would be completely different. Yeah. Um, and if we just took that responsibility, but you don't hear those things discussed in the pop evangelical world. Instead, you've got these means by which, and I call them sacraments, uh, that you, you accomplish this grand purpose and destiny in your life. And that is really not the point that the scriptures give us uh, to our lives. And right. so, right. So you have things like self-help. I mean, one of the sacraments is that I name is self-help, and that's what it's talking about is, you know, trying to kind of get your, your psychology straight so you can be – so you can pursue this great grand destiny and dream that, that the Lord has supposedly for you. Uh, and the other one is um, – you know, one, one of the other ones that's really interesting to me is what I call clean living, the sacrament of clean living, and hmm. this is biblical law. Uh, you know, where the preacher preaches about, you know, uh, preaches from the Ten Commandments and says you should do these things. Well, it's the but but at the end of the day, it ends up being the same thing as self-help, because at the end of the day, <clears throat> at the end of the day, the reason you obey the commandments that the Lord gives us in the scriptures is not for the sake of your neighbor, but really for the sake of you accomplishing your purpose, your destiny, you know, your dream, these sorts of things. <clears throat> so so all of these sacraments don't have anybody else in mind but you and you accomplishing. They don't, they don't have uh, the proper worship of God in mind. They're, they can very easily swerve into idolatry, but more than anything, they completely ignore uh, the neighbor, ignore the fact that you're, you're to be um, serving other people. Even I mean I even have one of the sacraments. It's, it's the sacrament of service. And you don't really serve others for the sake of – for their sake. You really serve others for your own sake so you can accomplish your purpose. It's, it's very, it's very self-focused. Well, but they, uh, they would say, well, we want to serve my neighbor because if I do a good job, I will be representing Christ. And right. there's a chance that you know, somewhere down the road after I've demonstrated what a good person I am, that when I invite them to church, they'll actually come and then they'll make a decision for Christ. So right. there's always that, that end view in mind, everything you do, it, it is self-focused, but it's not that self-focused because at some point somebody might actually become a Christian as a result of all these other things I'm doing. Well, right. And that's really the most pure, I mean, the thing of it is, I mean, everything that the pop evangelical evangelicals do is not completely misguided or completely mismotivated right, uh, right. it's i mean that was the thing that uh, we when i was a pastor i mean that's what we wanted to do we wanted to see people cross that line of faith we were worried about people going to hell mm -hmm. and that's that's you know that's you know i don't think it's healthy to worry about people going to hell because we're really not in control of that the, you know the scriptures are very clear that the holy spirit is the one who who grants faith and grants repentance 
And so, yes, we are we concerned? Do we want to evangelize? Yeah, of course, all, all those things are true. Um, but but at the end of the day, what what ends up happening is is you end up stepping in in the extreme cases. And, and like I say, back in the old guard pop evangelical days when I was a pastor, you know, we really stepped into the office of Savior. We thought we are the ones who have to impart this information, or these people will go to hell. Mm-hmm. And really what we did is we were taking on the office of Savior, and last time I checked, that office is occupied. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, by well our put. Lord Christ. Yeah, so um, so, so it was misguided in that sense. Uh, I mean, motivated in a good way to see people know the gospel and that sort of thing. But but, but really the, the results – what happens is, is that's when you start being counting. That's when you start counting, well, how many baptisms did we have? How many decisions did we have? And that sort of thing. And that's really what becomes important because – and, and then you turn faith into something that just becomes this one-time event. Way back when I made a decision, and then I went, kind of went on with my life. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's, that's not really salvation. You know, it's not you – know, so so, it's the Christian hamster wheel. Right. You you accept Jesus in your heart, then you get on the wheel and you start running and you don't stop. Because Jesus is watching and he knows when yeah. you slow down and right. <laughs> it's, right. it's a burdensome way of of uh you know having this personal relationship with Jesus. It's more like a yeah. it's more like a nagging girlfriend relationship. Yeah. Well, and that's right. And so Right. So you have these sacraments, you know, I named a couple of them, you know, and, and none of these things are bad in and of themselves. I mean, I, I have really no problem if you like read a self-help book, because if you're having, you know, like say, for instance, you have, an, you know, some sort of self-awareness issue, you know, and you're, you're just trying to, you know, be a more loving neighbor yeah, I, to I those agree. around you. That's a good point. You know, that sort of thing. Some, yeah, people, some these... people have a negative attitude, and it would be really helpful if they read a book about how to have a positive attitude. That would not right. be a bad thing at all. No, no. None of these things are – that's the thing is none of these things – and that's what's deceptive about it right. is none of these things are bad in and of themselves. I mean you know, there's nothing wrong with clean living. You know, That's one of the sacraments I named, the sacrament of clean living. In other words, living according to the commands God gives us in scriptures. In the scripture, we should do those things, uh, but but what what's deceptive about it is while that's a good thing in and of itself, um, what the pop evangelicals did and what I did when I was a pop evangelical pastor was was I said you need to do these things in order to accomplish this thing for yourself. So really, the motivation behind it was completely self serving. Hmm. It wasn't it, you know you weren't trying to do these things in order to better love and care for your wife or your children or your neighbors or your churchmates or anything like this. It was all completely self-serving. And so, um, and that's, that's pretty appealing to the, to the common, you know, the average American. That's how you tickle itching ears. Right. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So, so you say, Oh, okay, here's the things I need to do to have this, you know, as Bill Bright put it to have this wonderful plan. So I need to get to it. And instead of just looking at caring and loving your neighbors, um, as an end in and of itself, that is just a means by which you are going to accomplish this destiny, this dream, this purpose, this wonderful plan that God has for your life. And that's, and that ultimately ends up being pretty, falling pretty flat, being pretty hollow and something that honestly you, you, you will not sustain. Yeah. And people, people yeah. see through it because they, you become sure. like an Amway salesman constantly yeah. trying to get somebody to join your group. 
Right. Everybody right. knows after a while, oh, here comes so-and-so. He's going to be nice right. to me. He's going to, you know, put on the, uh, put on the front of, of being my friend. But I know that at the end of our conversation, he's going to ask me to, to come to the next, uh, you know, uh, revival meeting or the next conference or the next whatever, because right. he's trying to get me to join his thing. Right. Right. That, exactly. Well, that, yeah, that, so. that, that bugged me because I was in Amway, you know, and I, I, <laughs> I, I went through that whole thing in the 90s. And right. it was such a, a relief to get out and to realize that I didn't have to prospect anymore. I could just be nice to people just because I wanted to be nice to people, not because I was going to try to get their name and number so yeah. I could call them later on. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, and so, and that's the thing is, you, you know, that's when you really start to, you know, I, you know, identify people's needs and just treat them like people, you know, and just say, okay, you know, you have this need, I can meet this need. And, and and do these sorts of things that the scriptures command us to do purely for their sake, and it, and it is it's so freeing to be able to just love others and not have it be some sort of means by which you're trying to accomplish something for yourself. So, so right, there's those, those couple of sacraments: the self help, the clean living. The one of the sacraments I have is the decision. That's really the gateway. You know, you got to make the decision. And then another one of the sacraments that I name is uh, praise and worship. So, you mm. you know, you don't even go to church really uh, to receive the Lord's gifts and to respond to the Lord's gifts of life and salvation. You go to church because this is, you know, this is one of the things that you've got to do in order to accomplish your person, uh, purpose. The other one, the other big one is, is the, um, is the sacrament of the tithe. You know, that's, that's huge. You yeah. know, it's it really the kind of the old medieval practice of, Hey, you know, Tetzel going around selling indulgences, you know, hey, if you give your 10%, you know, then then that's the first step in you being able to have this, uh, this wonderful plan for your life. And if you give more than that, the more you give, the greater chance you will have to have this grand purpose for your life. And so all of these things come together. And none of them, I mean, that, I mean, you know, we all should give money to the church because we want to see the gospel go forth. That's a good thing in and of itself. And nobody can dis nobody disputes that. But when you turn it into really a means by which you're accomplishing something for yourself, you completely uh, defeat the purpose of it. And and the thing of it is, it's not it's, it's not even that um, that you're defeating the purpose of it. it what's going to happen is you're going to find you're not going to be able to sustain that. You're not going to be able to juggle all these balls right. because at the end of the day, what you're going to, what you're going to know, especially if you're a Christian that has been brought to faith. And that's the thing. A lot of people do come to faith in Christ through the poppy evangelical world. And when they do, they've been given a new heart of flesh. And so when they're told that they need to do these things in order, in order to accomplish something for themselves, there's a disconnect because they say, wait a minute. I shouldn't be doing these things just for, for myself so I can accomplish what I need to accomplish or so that, the, you know, God will open up the storehouses of heaven and pour, pour out his blessings on I me. Mean, that's that's not why I want to be doing these things. And so they find something very, very disingenuous about that. And that's yeah. why I think you see in the pop evangelical world, you see a, a revolving door. You see people coming in. They, they make their decision. They think, oh, yeah, this is great. This is what's what's worked. But, but as the Holy Spirit starts to um, to you know, as, this, as the Holy Spirit converts them, um, they start to say, hey, there's something really phony about all this. And they just walk out the other side. Yeah, and it's, and it's especially the case when, when they bother to actually read the Bible for themselves. That, I, right. I just can't imagine all the people who were like I was with all this cognitive dissonance and this right. internal tension. Like, okay, I'm supposed to be at this church because apparently that's God's plan for my life. And I'm supposed to... Uh, 
you know, be contributing to his kingdom by doing whatever the church tells me to do. And this pastor who's, who's a, supposedly appointed by God to be my leader, he's up there yeah. using the Bible, but he's misusing it. Because I opened it up and I read what the passage says, and he's right. misrepresenting God. What, what do yeah. I do with that? Because that's, that's really scary. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and that's and that's the thing is, right, people, I mean, being in, being a pop evangelical is fine as long as you don't think about it too much. Right. Or you don't actually. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, and so and, and the thing of it is, what's sad is I think pastors and I did this when I was when I was an evangelical pastor, I would take advantage of that. I'm like, people don't really know what this passage says. So I can oh. you know, I can twist this passage to make it say what I wanted to say. Wow. Hey, uh, let's and, take let's take a break. Yeah. This is a good place to take okay. a break, and then I want to come back and I want to hear you tell me more about what a lousy, rotten pastor you were. <laughs> <laughs> right, I can do that. Okay, we can do that. Sounds good. Okay, I'm back with Matt talking about him being a manipulative pastor, which is <laughs> <laughs> which is what a lot of pastors are. So I, I'm just right. teasing you a bit, but I I want to hear a little bit more about. What you were just saying, but I also want to go back and I want to hear some of your story because it's a really fascinating story about your journey to where you are now. By the way, how old are you? I'm 21. Okay, how old are you really? <laughs> I'm 44. 44. 44. You got two yeah. kids. Yep. And yep. Uh, so you've been around the block a bit. I have. Well, and that's you know that's really what I hope the value of my podcast is. Is hey, here's a guy who's. You know, I, I like to say I've, I've got a PhD in the school of hard knocks. You do. Yeah. So, uh, and so what I'm hoping is, is to say, Hey people, um, you know, if, if you're thinking about going this, this route, I, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, you know, you don't want to give this a shot. This is going to be bad news for you. So, um, so really, I mean, this, you know, that, that was the thing is when I was, uh, so I was at Oklahoma state you know, as a freshman and, um, and, and the Southern Baptist got a hold of me hmm. and they were doing the whole contemporary. This is really when the whole contemporary church growth thing was first coming out. Yeah. And I was kind of like, I had no idea church could be like this. And I think people still think that I, I they go to a, a church, like, you know, whatever their local mega church happens to be. They think, wow, I, did, I had no idea. This is what church is. Is this really what church is like? And this is um, fun. Yeah, it's fun. This is great. You know, I didn't, yeah, I didn't have any idea. And so, um, and, and then, and then at that point, again, we get, we got sucked into the whole soul winning thing. So that's what made me want to be a pastor. I'm like, okay, my whole, I, you know, I, people are going to hell, you know, so I got to get, I got to get busy trying to, you know, get my hands in, not having people go to hell. And, you know, the whole idea of, you know, the disciples, you know, leaving their, their nets behind. And, uh, you know, because I was, <laughs> I was, a, I was, a, I had a pretty good college career going and I, you know, I was on a pretty good career path and all these sorts of things. And I'm like, I got to leave all that behind. I've got to, you know, I'm going to quit worrying about my grades. I got to, I got to start pursuing, you know, this soul winning idea hmm. and, uh, and going to, and going to ministry. So that's what I did. And, um, you know, and I, and I think I was perfectly sincere about it insofar as I, you know, I knew what the heck was going on. Um, but 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 the thing of it was, I was so completely ignorant about really uh, ministry and all that sort of thing that, you know, I just didn't know what I was doing. And uh, so so at any rate, I mean, that was the thing is, uh, you know, in that world, in, in the revivalistic pop evangelical world, 
that's the deal. We we put all of the all of our eggs in the basket of this this soul winning idea. And so um you know, it was it was the perfect storm really for me because my personality was such that, you know, I'm, I'm I have a very dominant, you know, domineering type of personality. And so so when I went into this, I mean, if you really believe what the pop evangelicals teach, you don't spend any time outside of winning souls because if you do somebody might go to hell Hmm. you know if you're negligent in your duties as as a christian um somebody might spend eternity in hell and i believed this and if you take what the pop evangelicals teach to their lot to its logical conclusion there's no other place to end up but that Hmm. and so and so i did and i and so i'm because i'm an extreme individual you know, I, I when when I when I see a set of beliefs, uh, I say, okay, this is this is what we say we believe, and so we're going to live it out. That that was that's always been my quote problem is I've always lived out what I believe, hmm. and that if if you believe something that's false and you try to live that out, it leads to some really bad places. Right, right. <laughs> and so, and that's exactly what would happen with me as, as an evangelical pastor, because I, I tried to live that out and I had uh, some person, I mean, I have some personality flaws that caused me to really cause a lot of conflict with pretty much anybody who would oppose really what I thought the agenda should be. And so, um, so I was always in conflict with people. Nobody was as serious as I was about soul winning. Nobody preached the gospel or prepared to preach the gospel as well as I preached the gospel. Nobody put as much money or time or effort or anything. So nobody, you know, I had this superiority complex, you yeah. know, that, 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 um, you know, nobody was doing it as well as I was doing it. And, and I, I imagine that you were, uh, effective enough that, a lot of people could say, "Well, I know he's a little obnoxious, but hey, he's getting it. He's getting the job done." Look, oh no, no, there is yeah. no question. There's yeah. no question about it. My numbers were better than you. I mean, I had baptized more. I mean, so the the mega church I was at when I when I left ministry, um, I had probably around 200 teenagers that were attending my services, and the the the, the main church itself had anywhere from you know 1500 to 1800 attending weekly and we were we in the youth ministry we were baptizing more teenagers than they were adults in any given year and And that was yeah and you were you were the youth pastor yes yeah i was a youth guy which which is always a stepping stone to become the real pastor or to start your own church Right. Absolutely. So, and that, and that was really my goal because, so I got, I, so I, I was ordained by, by an organi- organization called the Christian and Missionary Alliance, which is, um, in, and I don't know what the Alliance is doing anymore. Uh, but essentially then they were, you know, they were fundamentalists mm-hmm. basically. And so, um, so when I got into, to, to that denomination, you know, just think Southern Baptists, really, that's what they were, um, revivalistic Southern Baptists. And, um, when I when I was ordained in in that denomination, you know, I I, I was a rising star, you know, uh, to, I guess to put it, uh, because my personality fit exactly what they were looking for. You know, they they wanted a lot of numbers, they wanted baptisms, they wanted a charismatic leader, and really that at the end of the day, that's what it takes to to put together a megachurch. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 understand marketing, 
um, on a basic level. And then you have a charismatic personality at the top of it to, to drive all that. Right. You so have to, when people, you got to have a good front man. Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. So you, you advertise well, you do your marketing well. And then when people show up, you put your front man up there and people go, Oh, wow, this is, this is great. You and, know? and you and, constantly talk about how God is really doing something here. Right. And, exactly. I'm like, I, hey, God, when, God's not the one creating logos and sending out postcards. That's you. No. Stop, right. That's, that's <laughs> stop exactly blaming right. It on God. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so, and, and, but then when we had, you know, and then, then, you know, when I was baptizing, you know, 20, 30 uh, people, you know, every quarter, you know, uh, baptizing 20, 30 teenagers every, every quarter, you know, every couple of times a year, mm -hmm. um, you know, then I'm like, see, see, I'm getting the results, you know, and, yeah. and see God is working, right? When in reality, what was working was the marketing and my personality. That's really what was working. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and this is something I still, you know, really, that still really burdens my conscience today, even is that I hope that God really was somehow doing something there, mm -hmm. um, despite me, right. not, not right. because of me, you know, um, and, it, and it's discouraging to see, you know, I mean, of, of all the teenagers I baptized, you know, I know of only a handful, you know, that I could say have, uh, have stayed in the faith. Um, and, and it wasn't because of me, it was mostly because of their parents. It was because their parents did a good job raising them, not because I was this great charismatic leader that the Lord was using. That wasn't what was going on. Um, and so, uh, so, so at any rate, um, yeah, nobody took it as seriously as I did. So, you know, after a number of years doing that, I, you know, I, I made some demands to the, to the leaders of the, ch the church I was in, um, that they just refused to meet and wisely. So, uh, <laughs> in my opinion, and I thought, well, this is my opportunity to, you know, to go and, and pastor my own church, you know, to be, to be a lead pastor somewhere. And I had plenty of offers. I did because I was in a marquee church in the Alliance and yeah. And when I, when I put my resume out there, you know, I had plenty of offers and I kind of had, you know, my pick of where I wanted to go be a lead pastor. You're, you're how when old all, at this point? I am around 28, 29 years old wow. at this point. Yeah. So still pretty young. Um, yeah. So fairly young. And like, yeah, yeah, you know, I had, you know, I had district supervisors. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was the cat's meow, I guess, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ridiculous. But, um, uh, but all of a sudden, my marriage really fell apart, uh, and really the only reason my first wife and I stayed together was because that's what the ministry demanded, hmm. and I knew that if I was going to sustain a career as as a pastor in that denomination, I had to keep my marriage together. Well, when I left that church, um, there was no real reason to keep my marriage together. I mean, yeah, I had the prospects of going to be a, a pastor somewhere, but, but that didn't work anymore. Hmm. That didn't, that didn't help me keep my marriage together. I, I mean, I was completely mismotivated, you know, talk about motivations, you know, where we're talking about this, like, why are you doing these things? And, and if you're doing them, um, out of, out of vain and, um, narcissistic motivations, they're going to fall apart. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and my, so my marriage fell apart and in that denomination, again, they're 
you know, pretty much fundamentalists. You know, if you divorce your wife, you're done. You are done. And 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 really, it sh- it should be that way in in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because when you do what I did, when you send in the way I send, um, you can't be trusted as a pastor. You just can't be. Um, that's just that's just a sad reality of things. So um, so let me see if my- I if I understand this. You the the latter period of you being this youth pastor. Yep. Your marriage was basically uh, uh, full of problems, and you were holding it together for the purpose of continuing your career and, you know, yeah. having that nice clean resume. Right, that's exactly right. And the thing of it was is that we that I was holding this together really in a very superficial way, and we and my wife and I at the time weren't addressing our problems. Hmm. We weren't. I wasn't. She wasn't. We were just kind of um, whitewashing our issues and trying to you maintain this veneer of having a happy marriage. How how and many it, other people in your life knew that that was the case? Oh, there were, there were a number of them. It's just that it was, I mean, these are hard things to address with people. Because, I mean, people would, would talk to me about it and ask me, you know, how's your marriage? And I would, Oh, it's fine. It's great. You know, everything's going good. And, mm. you know, and I would, you know, and, and I would, I believed my own lies. Right. Basically, right. and I, I wasn't saying, you know, what what I really should have done was said, "Hey, my marriage is um, is really in poor shape. I should have pulled back from ministry and focused on being a husband." But I was not focused on that. My focus was I wanted to I wanted to have this um uh this this wonderful plan that God had for my life. Plus, all those you know, souls were going to go to hell if you didn't follow through with exa- your plan. Exactly. And so, so my, my focus, my primary focus as, as a husband and a father was completely, completely took a backseat to all of this. Hmm. And that's the real danger in, you know, in, in this whole seven sacraments of the pop evangelicals and having your purpose and your your best life now, however you want to phrase it. That's really the danger in all this is your, is your, is the genuine biblical vocations that the Lord lays out for us in the scriptures that the, all those take a back seat. And, and, and if you, and if you follow that to its logical c- conclusion, it will end in tragedy. Right. If you don't think about it too much, it can be fine. Yeah. That's a, uh, I like the phrase that evangelicals and really Americans in general, we're just skimming across the surface of, right. of our faith, of our lives, of our deepest fears. We're just skimming across the surface, you know, going from uh, entertainment to entertainment to, to uh, distraction to distraction, anything to keep us right. from just slowing down and saying, what the heck's going on here, really? What do, yeah. what do yeah. I really believe? What's really true? You know, yep. these deep questions are, uh, they're not being addressed by very yeah. many people. and. It's it's a, a really sad thing. We're we're supposed to be this advanced civilization that's got so far in history that we're we're now at this point where all we can do is constantly, you know, uh, look at our latest Facebook post and watch the latest show and hear about the latest movie. It's like we're a culture of distraction. So Christians kind of do the same thing. They just have a Christian version of it. Well, that's a, that's absolutely right. And 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 so what gets lost in that is your marriage and your family, hmm. which is. I mean that's that's the essential building blocks of uh, of what the scriptures teach us. You know what the scriptures command us, and and you you lose all that. I mean that be, it becomes a very low priority, and and, and you just don't. Re, it's it's like you get to a point where you just can't smell blood in the water. 
you just can't see, hey, th- something really fundamental in my life is going is going the wrong way. Hmm. And that and that's the real danger in it. Again, if you if you take all of this to its logical conclusion, you you lose all of that. Yeah. Um and you and you take these things to to their extreme, um, then then that's what happens. And so um that's that explains why you would take whatever little free time you have and you'd be putting a podcast together when most people would be bowling or, you know, having a hobby. <laughs> right. I, well, that's right. Yeah. Just, just to warn people to say, Hey, look, you know, if, if you're experiencing this kind of disillusionment with your faith and with, with, with these sorts of things, um, you know, here's what's going on. I, I you know, just let me tell you bef- before you decide be- to become a nun and abandon your faith, um, here's, here's another alternative for you, right, right. <laughs> um, which I just didn't have access to at that time, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways, um, you know, I just, it, it, it took another, you know, when, when my, when I got out of ministry and my marriage fell apart and I divorced my, my first wife, you know, it took another 10 years of me going through, you know, going over to the, to the liberal side of things thinking, well, if, if, if the fundamentalists don't have it, well, the liberals must have it. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to realize there were some other options. <laughs> well, tell me, um, tell me a bit about what happened in that 10 year period. I've, I've yeah, heard so, some of this, but it's, I think it's really good for our listeners to hear what you went through. Sure. Right. So my, 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 my response really to the, you know, basically what I would say is the all law of the fundamentalist world. Uh, and again, none of, none of the, keep in mind, none of the things that they really talk about there per se are bad in and of themselves, but wrongly motivated, they can, they can end in disaster. You know, um, the, the thing of it was we preached biblical law. The problem is we had no gospel. Yeah. We did, we did, we did not have a central under, we didn't have basic fundamental understanding of what the gospel was supposed to mean in the context of the Christian life. We the, just didn't. Yeah. The gospel and was so, only for the new guy. Right, exactly. And so <laughs> And once he um, raised his hand and made a decision, yeah. hey, no more gospel for you. It's now you gotta get the other yeah. the, the the next new guy to come in. Right, exactly. And so I mean it was it's kinda like this. I mean the illustration I could best give you is we you know, we had these things uh, and I was in them. I mean we had these things called accountability groups when I was a fun when I was a, a um you know, a fundamentalist evangelical. Um and the and the accountability was good. But there was no gospel there. So in other words, if I came in with a sin that week and I said, hey, guys, you know, I, I sinned in this way, they would be like, all right, well, thanks for telling us that. We'll check with you Yeah, try <laughs> harder next week. Right. Yeah, try harder. There was no, you know, the, you know, I forgive you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There was no gospel presented there. I, I remember one guy I was an accountability partner with. Um, when I was when I was first in the Christian Missionary Alliance and um, and he he was a single guy. And he had a, a problem with going to, you know, massage parlors. Hmm. And he came in <clears throat> one one week to talk to me and told me that he, you know, he really screwed up and went to a massage parlor. And and basically, um, I I we, you know, I said, hey, and so you can get this under control. You know, we can't continue this. You know, um, you know, you're, I'm just going to shun you and shame you, and 
you know, and that's what's going to motivate you to get your, your act together. And what I should have given him was the gospel that the Lord forgave that, forgives that sin. And, you know, let's, you know, let's figure out how in the power of the gospel, <clears throat> how you can, can avoid this kind of destruction in your life. It, there was none of that. Hmm. And so, and so while the idea of, of helping someone to, to obey the commands of scripture is a good thing. Um, you can't do it without the power of the gospel, without the word and the sacraments. You know, it just it just can't be done. Right. And so, and so, what I thought was, in order to escape the law, which is really what what I would the world I was in, in order to escape the law, the the move was to go be lawless, to go live a lawless life, to live without the commands of scriptures. You know, yeah, the um, pendulum swings to the other extreme. Exactly. Yep. It's a it's a complete reaction to 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 false teaching and that's that's not the way to go either you know the 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 response to um you being convicted of sin is not to go um you know go live a, a life of, uh, without the commands of scripture and live a lawless life which is what i tried to do hmm. you know when i went into the into the liberal world and um you know you can uh, ask my wife now jen what what that's like? It's horrible. It, it, you know, if you were ask me to compare the two, um, living a lawless life or living a life under legalism, um, honestly, living a, a lawless life is a much more destructive hmm. um, uh, life. Just mentally, sense, yeah, personally, I mean, it's 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 terrible. And so, anybody who thinks that 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 even hedging on not living by the commands of Scripture is the answer. Uh, to an all law uh, religion, a legalistic religion, um, is there you're fooling yourself. Um, and so, um, but that's what I did for about 10 years, you know, and I even, you know, I still wanted to be a pastor. So I went to Claremont School of Theology. And, uh, you know, having gone to some of the most prominent evangelical seminaries, Dallas and, and Biblical, which is a, a sister seminary of Westminster. Um, out in Philadelphia, as an evangelical, I went to to Claremont, which is like the hairy edge of of the the Methodist uh, uh, religion. It's like the Berkeley you know, of seminaries, isn't it? It's basically right. Yeah, that's right. And um, it was it was astonishing to me to see you know just the kind of lifestyles that that were lived there and the kind of lifestyle I was living. You know, you know where, where it's just com- it's complete lawlessness where there's there, you know, there, there, uh, there's no commands of scripture. We're, we're not obligated. And the scripture didn't even have any authority there. I mean, my, uh, my new Testament professor was an atheist at that school. <laughs> and so it was, wow. uh, that that's not, <laughs> and so that's when I really went into a really, uh, incredibly dark period in my life where, um, where you know suicide and these sorts of things seemed like a pretty good option because I just could not get this stuff figured out. I just I was like, well, I tried this and I tried that, and you know what other options are there? And, you know, there's just there's no other options. I I just don't know what to do. And and, um, and at the same time, you've gotten remarried and you started your family, right. right? Yeah, that's right, that's right. And that was really probably, I mean, the Lord's you know not to sound too Calvinistic about this, but the but the Lord's providence was 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 upon all of this um, in the sense that, yeah, I, I got remarried to a really good woman who, um, you know, 
I just, I, you know, I can't say enough about, about her and how she was committed to me. I mean, very Christ-like person, uh, Jen is because this, you know, my lawless, selfish, narcissistic lifestyle through that period, she stuck right with me. She just loved me completely unconditionally. She said, you know, I'm just going to stick with you and I'm, uh, we're going to make this work, you know, and I'm going to love you. Uh, just because I love you and not because of anything else. Hmm. And yeah, so while I was yet a sinner, she loved me. <laughs> she was very Christ-like in that sense. And so uh, at some point, um, I, you know, th this is the thing, Steve, from really age 20, well, well, you know, from age 20, almost to age 38, 39, 40, you know, I was still an adolescent. Hmm. That's how I behaved. And at some point I decided, okay, if nothing, I'm going to just, if nothing else, I'm just going to start being a man who takes care of his family. And again, I think this was certainly the Holy Spirit, you know, just granting me repentance before I even knew what repentance was. Hmm. Um, and to say, all right, I'm going to start being a man and I'm going to start taking care of my family the way they need to be taken care of because, you know, because Jen had loved me in the way she, she had loved me for the better part of 10 years. And, and so what I decided to do was go learn how to be a truck driver. And, uh, you know, I thought, well, I can make, I can make money. We can have a stable income and a stable job and these sorts of things. And I can, you know, I can take care of my family this way. So I started to grow up a little bit, hmm. you know, I think by the grace of God. Right. And is it, it, and, it part of that growing up was you letting go of that distant dream you had that someday I'm going to be a pastor and I'm going to have my own church and I'll, I'll right. finally get my moment in the spotlight. Right. But, right. Exactly. That's yeah. Yeah. That I, yeah, that's exactly right. That's precisely what happened. And I remember that conversation I had with Jen. I said, you know, I'm going to stop trying to change the world hmm. and I'm going to start being a husband to you. And I'm going to start being a father to the children. Wow. And uh, I remember that conversation. It was, it was profound. Um, and it was, you know, um, with tears and the whole shoot match, it was like, nah, he's getting it. He's getting it. And, uh, and that's when I decided, you know, hey, I'm going to go be a truck driver because that's how I can be, you know, that's, that's a means by which I can, I can do this. And, uh, and so, you know, I, so I did that and, uh, you know, when you're a truck driver, you have the opportunity to listen to, to a lot of things. And I thought, well, let me, you know. All right. So I kind of got this idea down. I want to be a husband and a father. And so maybe I can, maybe let's look again. Let's look at, let's look at the Christian faith again. Let's take a look at it. So, you know, I started listening to, you know, Rob Bell's books and thought, you know, maybe this is the way I want to go and that sort of thing. And I kept running across this, this cat named Chris Roseboro <laughs> called in his podcast called fighting for the faith. And I'm like, ah, this guy's a, he's a fundy or something. I don't know what he's about. But I kept coming, it kept popping up. So I thought, fine, I'm, I'll, I'll start listening to it. I started listening to him. And this is what Pastor Roseboro is great about is, you know, he just doesn't pull any punches and he just slaps you in the face and throws the bucket of cold water over your head and says, <laughs> hey, this is how things are. Yeah. And I found out, you know, he's a Lutheran. And I'm like, well, you know, Lutheran, what the heck? And I thought Lutherans were a bunch of liberals. Right. And I didn't, you know, I had no idea. And, and, you know, long story short, you know, um, he just made complete sense out of the Christian faith for me. Hmm. And that's what I'm like, yeah, that's what I need. <laughs> I need the law and gospel. 
I need both. Right. You know, it's not it's not law, it's not lawlessness, but it's law and gospel. And so what I'd been searching for the entire time was, was really the gospel. And, and the gospel articulated in the way uh, that the Christian faith faith articulates it. And there's I, in my opinion, there's just nobody out there better that has it than the Lutherans. I mean, Martin Luther had it 500 years ago, you know, the, and, and it, it wasn't even based on him. It was based on St. Paul right. who had it 2000 years ago. Right. And, you know, <laughs> and based on the scriptures, which, which has had it since time began, you know, and, um, and so all this stuff started to make sense. And, um, and in the midst of this, I, I kind of weaving in and out of this, I was thinking, you know, I, I want to, you know, I want to do something. I want to do a, I want to do a podcast. So I started doing a podcast and I was still kind of liberal, even, you know, at the beginning of all this and, um, you know, didn't really know much, what, know much what to do and did a few things and did some really bad stuff. And, um, but I mean, if you, if you go back and listen to like my very first podcast all the way, um, how long, where I am how now. long ago? What, what, what's the uh, but almost four years now. Yeah, oh. this has been. I mean, since I started the podcast, it, it's been four, almost five years. Those are just up there now for historical reasons, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, they're for posterity. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing is, people will email me once and say, "Hey, I listened to you, you know, episode five, and you sound like an idiot." And I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, I was. I was a complete idiot." I mean, like, and that's what I tell them. I said, "You got to understand the context of this. Is you know, I'm really, really coming back into the Christian faith." Um, through all this. Huh. Um, and so it's, it's a pretty, so I leave them up there. So I've been tempted to take some, and I have taken some of them down that were particular. It was like, okay, this is just too, this is too off the hairy edge. And I have taken some of them down, but, uh, but, but for the most part, I leave them up there just so people can see, you know, um, how, how the Holy spirit has granted me repentance and an understanding of the gospel through the word and sacraments uh, and through, you know, really the art, the Lutheran articulation of the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, and to say, Hey, and, and all that to say that, you know, um, the authority I have is my PhD in the school of hard knocks to say, Hey, there is an alternative to, you know, these couple of ways to go. Um, and so, you know, really that, that, that brings us to today where, you know, stuff is kind of starting to make sense, you know, granted I'm a late bloomer, but Hey, um, I'm just happy that that the that the lord uh you know kept me in all right, this and right. um you and really so see, hopefully you see the 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 merciful hand of god in your whole story yeah absolutely that's right well and that's you know that you know that put to bed any notion of you know me making a decision or me doing any, you know it wasn't any of that the, the lord is the one who saved me you know i i can't take any credit for it because you know basically when I was flat on my back and basically all I could do was, you know, pound my chest and say, Lord, have mercy on me. The center of I've got nothing. I've got nothing, Lord. That's, that's where I needed to be, you know? And I just, I don't want, I, my hope is with, you know, what I do in the podcast is that, um, is, is that if people are kind of flirting with either end of the spectrum, um, that they don't have to go to the place I had to go to, to you know, uh, to get where I am. I mean, being yeah. a prodigal, so there, there is no, there's nothing glamorous about being a prodigal. There's nothing. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, these people with the, with the testimonies, well, I was a drug dealer and I was a, this and that and everything. I mean, there's, there's nothing glamorous about that. It's destructive. It's dark. And I just, I don't want anybody having to go through that to just, you know, be a Christian. Amen. Yeah. Um, 
That yeah. is, that's a really good point. The uh, need to sell conference tickets and to get yeah. people to pay attention to what you're about to say, especially right. from a revivalist standpoint, it all, yeah. it always means that we got to get the guy with the most extreme story out right. on stage so that we can get the biggest crowd here. And the, right. and the people who have had a quote unquote normal Christian life are always put on the back yeah. burner. They're not, they don't have the exciting story to attract. And, and I, yeah. I could, I guess you could say I'm guilty of that right now because I'm interviewing you and I'm asking you to well, tell your story, but yeah, hopefully the point well, of your I mean, story there's... is that people hear, you know, if I guess two things, one is if you're somewhere in the previous part of, of Matthew Garnett's story, there's hope that you can get yeah. out of it. But even sure. even better than that would be don't do the stupid things that Matthew Garnett right. has done. And I, of course, right. I have my own story of stupid things that I've done that I try to tell <laughs> as often as possible. Yeah. In fact, right. you know, one right. of the one of the when we had lunch uh, when I was in town a yeah. few weeks ago with you, I told you how I will spend the rest of my life living with the regret that not yeah. all of my kids have retained their faith, and I right. was their father, and I failed to teach them properly because of the stuff that I just went along. I went along with the churches. Right. I went along with the pastors. I didn't do my own homework. I didn't read the, the, the Bible for myself. And you said, yeah, well, you think that's bad. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I got to live with the regret that I was a youth pastor for kids like your right. kids. So right. we, we both right. are in this latter stage of life where we made a lot of mistakes and yeah. we, and we, we came back by the grace of God alone to a, to a really good, solid faith again. And yeah. we want to take our experiences and share them with others so that they can avoid some of the pitfalls. Yeah, right, right. That's that's absolutely right. I mean, the, the thing of it is, is that, okay, so while our stories may have some value as cautionary tales, look, you, you, you don't want to give this a shot in the hopes that your life will become this cautionary tale for people later on. Yeah, I mean, we have enough they, cautionary tales, folks. We, we do. Don't we we have plenty of them. Please do not make your life this way. <laughs> Just listen to what we're saying and don't do what we did. That's yes. basically what we're saying. Um, and, and and the thing of it is, I mean, what what I, I mean, I guess I don't know. I'm envious. Maybe that's the wrong word, but but what I'm envious of are these people who have who have were born Lutherans. They've they've married Lutheran people. They've had Lutheran children, and they're raising their, their children in the Lutheran faith, and their children are becoming Lutherans, and they're having more Lutheran children. That's the, that's the thing that I want to see people do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, what I, that's what I hope for my own, own children. I hope that starting with the Matthew and Jennifer Garnett legacy, that, that the whole thing takes a turn um, in, in, in the sense of that my children are going to marry people um, with with their faith in view and have children that they want to, that they will raise to be Christians. That's that's really what I you know I, I don't want any of my children going through what I went through. Yeah, you know, yeah. period in the story. So yeah. um, that's a really good. I, I love the way you're making it so clear because I think for a lot of people, especially people who have spent most of their time in the pop evangelical world. That yeah. has that has not been made clear enough, and right. I think you've done a great job of making it incredibly clear. If you're a right. parent, yeah. you have a you have a narrow set of things to focus on, and yep. be free in that narrow set of right. parameters. Don't feel like you're being restricted and you're being prevented from, you know, changing right. the world because you weren't going to change it anyway. But in the process of you yep. attempting to change the world, you might lose the very thing that God is actually 
giving right. you to do. So, well, that's that's exactly right. And I mean, that's that's the thing. I talked, you know, I still have many friends who are who are in the pop evangelical world, and I just I I continually tell them, I'm like, look, you know, if you've got this dream destiny thingy going on here, abandon that. Mm-hmm. Focus on being a dad. Focus on being a husband. And if you want to change the world. That's what this world needs. Good dads and good husbands. Amen. That's it. You know, <laughs> and you know, I, I just cannot emphasize that enough. Um, work in the context of your vocation and know that the Lord smiles on that. The Lord is pleased with you when you do those things. Um, and it sure helps you know, to, to be under teaching that encourages that. Cause if you're going to a that's church, right. that's constantly telling you, God wants more from you. You know, God, God loves you and all, but he's a little disappointed. He's expecting right. more out of you. And, and uh, you know, don't you think you can try a little harder? It, <laughs> that is, right. oh, man, so many people are being manipulated. And I that's right. that's a big reason why I will continue to spend as much time as I do writing and podcasting and stuff. Because yeah, I hope that every time I write an article or do one of these interviews that somebody hears it who's, who's fresh and new and, and, and we just grabbed another one from the fire who's about ready to abandon their faith. Because yeah. I know they're out there. I was one of them, just like you were. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, that's, 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 that's the idea. And so, you know, um, yeah, and this, well, this is all dice. I mean, we haven't been able to get into too much what I've, you know, what I've been tackling lately, which, you know, um, you know, (laughs) you know, on the, on the other side of you, you know, doing all these performance things for God and performing for God and trying to please him in all these ways by, by accomplishing your, your dream destiny, it, it seems like, some people, have, you know, even abandon the, the 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 biblical vocations. They're supposed not not abandon them, but they they kind of forget about them too. So, I mean, the, there is something that the Lord wants you to do. That's true. Um, but but the thing of it is, what is it that the Lord wants you to do? It's completely clearly spelled out in Scripture for you, and it's right in the Ten Commandments. Right. And if you got more questions about it, go to Saint Paul. You know, there's uh, or the New Testament or Jesus. You know that those are the things that the Lord wills for you i mean god you want to know i mean that's the thing is i used to teach this uh this study called um uh what it what was it uh it was something about discovering god's will for your life right um you know the the whole henry blackaby experiencing oh, yeah. god that's experiencing what it was god. the whole Ugh. oh man that was that was my oh man that was what i taught everybody I right hated, you wanted I hated to, that book i never finished it i i couldn't get right. past the first couple of chapters because i was like okay already i'm I'm discouraged and I'm frustrated. Right. Anyway. Sorry, right. Well, yeah. And no, 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 that's, I mean, but that's exactly right. The, th- the thing of it is, is that we're, we're all trying to like mystically discern what God's will is for our life. And you don't have to do that. Right. God's will for your life is spelled out in Exodus 20 in the 10 commandments. That's God's will for your life. And on top of that, <laughs> if it's not an issue with any of those 10 commandments, then you have freedom. Yep. Right. Absolutely. There's Absolutely. so much freedom in the Christian life that, uh, right. that uh, you know, I, one of the things that we talked about in the past was how if you ignore God's law, you will invent your own. Yeah, no, that's right. And uh, yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Churches, yeah. churches do that when they, um, they give you more things to do than God has given you to do. Right. So right. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that um, we, we should probably end this here cause I think we're about out of sure. time, but I was just going to, okay. I was going to try to put a kind of a, um, a uh, a summary by saying we tend as human beings and i think maybe even more so as americans to be reactionary if yep. if this over here isn't true then it's polar opposite must therefore be true 
when in fact there might be other positions that you're not even aware of yet. Yep. And the uh, tendency to be reactionary means that we're always going to, you know, once we find out that maybe the pastor and church that we've been going to is is not biblical enough, then we'll veer towards maybe um, a hyper grace movement because that sounds yep. like it's new and fresh. Or we'll veer towards the the hyper, uh, the new Jewish thing, you know, where, oh, yep. we're not Hebrew enough, the Hebrew roots movement. Right. There's always right. a tendency to be reactionary. And I, and I would, I would even caution people who, maybe uh, have just discovered the liturgy that they love the liturgy because they just hated the pop evangelical world so much that they are actually missing the scriptural elements that are the most important part of the liturgy. And they're right. kind of skimming over that just because they like the uh, historical aspect and the, and the uh, beautiful aspect right. of the liturgy. I, I think we're always yeah. a, um, having to say, okay, am I just overreacting because I had a bad experience with X, Y, and Z so we always got to go back to scripture itself and not to yeah. the opposite of what we're trying to eliminate from our lives. Right. Which right. is, which, that, and we could talk about this on another time perhaps, but the sure. whole issue of uh, being a legalist versus being an antinomian is, is one of those right. examples where you can have either of right. those two as an extreme. And the, right. the, the combination of the law and the gospel is what yeah. I think Lutherans and, and, and to be fair, I think there's some really good Presbyterian teachings on uh, a good balance of law and gospel as well. I'm probably missing some other sure. ones as well. But you yeah. and I both became confessional Lutherans, so that's where we're coming from. And you know, right. if you believe something, you wanna you wanna share that with others, and that's what we're doing. And sorry if that yeah. offends anybody, but that's <laughs> you know that's what we right. think. That's what we believe. That's right. what's that's what we really believe is biblical. So. Yeah, right. Well, and that's that's the thing. We're just, we're trying to be helpful and right. The, the worst thing you can do is react. And that's I mean, that's really what my you know, you want to boil my whole story down to uh its bare essence. You you, you put it quite nicely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I reacted to my situation as a teenager growing up with without a you know, a religion and jumped into fundamentalism and then my reaction to it was to become a liberal hmm. and that's that's a that's a really dangerous way to <laughs> to, uh, to to lead your life so that's yeah. you know that's really the best way we can encapsulate it so um don't react go to the scriptures that's that's the idea that's Amen. really what we're trying to drive everybody toward yeah. that's a perfect conclusion to this talk and i want to i want to do this again and i i would mm -hmm. especially like to talk to you about postmodernism in the church because that's something that you're yeah. very familiar with and uh, yes it's a topic that uh, it needs to be explained as much as possible because i think a lot sure. of evangelicals are very confused by a lot of the postmodernist right. teachings that don't come right out and say they're postmodernist right. Right, right. In. Oh, yeah, I can give you some good, some good stuff on that. Yeah, okay. that, absolutely. Sure. No well, problem. God bless you, my friend. Let's do this again soon. Yes, okay, sounds good, Steve. Thank you. Yep. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com. Or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Until next week, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>